Good evening, good evening, good evening, America, and welcome. Welcome to another edition of the Sea Report. Today is Friday, January 13th, 2023, and I hope everyone's doing well out there. Welcome to another edition of the Sea Report. How many times do you guys think I say welcome in the first like two minutes of this show, huh? Anyways, y'all, hope everyone's doing well and uh, you guys are ripped up and ready for your weekend time. Uh, weekend is here. How many of you guys out there are superstitious? I'm not, but just curious. Uh, you know, some people say it's good luck. Some people say it's bad luck. You know, when you have two shows in a single day and it's Friday the 13th, you start repeating yourself. But hey, eh, it's always interesting to note. Uh, but, you know... Whether it be good or bad, guys, I mean, ultimately, I guess it just depends on who you are and how you look at life, right? Is the cup half full? Is the cup half empty? Is it, uh, well, I don't know. I guess you. I guess we could all reason into those things as much as we want, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I've got a full show ahead of uh, today for us, y'all, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just trying to make sure I got everything set up on my end of the screen. So give me un momento. All right. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, there's who is that handsome devil talking on the phone? Just kidding. Okay, guys. All right. So a uh, full day ahead of us. A busy, busy day today. Actually had a very busy week as we've been talking about. Um, hanging out earlier on Lone Star State News, we actually got into a long off conversation about, about whoo, that guy's definitely on my mind. I almost said Lula da Silva. <laughs> there's a, hey, uh, there's a funny well, actually, no, it's not that funny, uh, but I mean, it sounds funny, but it's not funny if you think about what it is really. Uh, but but new, a new term or key phrase coming out of Brazil. Uh, I'm sure you all have heard of the gulag, right? Well, they're calling these the lulag. Yeah. So uh, we'll be talking a little bit about Brazil tonight. Uh, full plate, you know, because like as I, as I was saying, um, we were talking about John Cornyn, Senator John Cornyn, uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, eldest rhinos of the bunch and definitely the elder rhino of the Texas Congressional Senate, U.S. Congressional Senate. Uh, so anyhow, uh, one of the counties over here in Texas, a county that goes by the name of Lamar, um, they uh, they passed a resolution. Unan oh, not, not unanimously, but uh, with majority more than two thirds of the executive committee of that county's GOP uh, to remove John Cornyn, to have him either resign or to have him removed, you know, uh, and they are urging other uh, counties in our state to do so. You know, uh, I was thinking, you know, if every county in the nation or at least every state county did that? I mean, sorry, every county in the state did that. That's that's a big whopper. I mean, that is, you know, uh, you can't get too much more specific than the county voter down to the city municipal voter. Yeah, that's, that's as specific as you'll get, right? So that's pretty specific when we're talking about uh, not just like a majority in the state, but like if it's a majority in the counties or all of them, you know. Uh, one could only hope that uh, either A, they will respect the will of the voters, or B, uh, they will uh, kindly show us who they are, right? I mean, that is really the only opposite, I think, to uh, respecting the will of the voters, is disrespecting 
Um, or you could do like the house speaker for Texas did, and you can just double fist some, uh, some, uh, Twitter fingers. <laughs> can we call the birdie Twitter fingers? No, uh, double fist, uh, some birdies to the, to the voters and, uh, just outright do everything you can to avoid any direct run-ins with those whom, well, I would say allegedly put you into power, but you know, that we all know that they, we did not put those people into power. You know, we did not put people like Dade Phelan or Senator John Cornyn into power um, because they were selected because we have uh, corruptible voting machines that are handled by the corrupt, ladies and gentlemen. So anyhow, we got off long onto John Cornyn. A uh, very good article. You know, uh, the resolution passed by the Lamar County GOP uh, was pretty specific about how Cornyn has uh, violated and or broken, um, you know, the uh, not just the priorities, but, you know, uh, has violated or broken the principles of the Texas Republican Party, you know. So, so I, I guess it's moments like these that, you know, I don't mind the, the idea of political parties, but uh, I was also thinking that, you know, with as many counties in Texas as there are, and, and if we actually managed to get like, every single one of them to uh, pass a resolution like this, that would have a lot of weight. You know, when I read that resolution uh, that was uh, penned by the executive chair for that uh, county party GOP, um, I, I, I got to thinking with all of the various Republican groups within a county, could you imagine if like every single Republican group uh, was not just about, you know, the, the law, law get togethers and, uh, the feel goods because we all think alike kind of thing, but they actually knuckled down and drafted letters and, you know, it did stuff like that. Like, you know, like if I'm in a Republican group or whatever group it is, you know, uh, and we have a meeting, uh, say once a month, are we taking that time to also like contact our, you know, supposed representatives and senators and commissioners, et cetera, or are we just getting around and, you know, patting each other on the back and sharing information? You know, I mean, that's just as useful too. not so much the patting on the back as the sharing of information. But, you know, these are just thoughts that are kind of percolating in my head as I'm trying to process exactly what this, um, how would you put it? As I'm trying to process this business as usual complacency that seems to have laid itself over anyone who's involved in politics. I mean, not all of them, but the ones who buck the current, the ones who buck the tide. Uh, those ones definitely don't have that tarp of complacency, but the ones who do have the tarp of complacency and who are satisfied just to show up, but not really do anything about it, you know, they're the ones that get pissed off about the ones that, you know, don't have the tarp of complacency. They're like, Hey, why are you standing up? You know, you're lifting the tarp off of me. Like, uh, why are you saying something? We're doing just fine here. You know, uh, uh, milking the exploitable and uh, and going along to get along. And also, also, also formulating our strategies of uh, our strategies of, um, you know, withdrawal. 
Yeah, that sounds a whole lot worse than what I was saying earlier, but it might as well be a strategy of withdrawal rather than a strategy of concession. You know, a strategy of concession means you got to give some to get some. You have to you have to concede some of your values in order to advance the leftist agenda. And that's why I say a strategy withdrawal is really what it is, because the more we concede our values and our priorities and our morals, the more the left just keeps on advancing and advancing and advancing. So, you know, we give them a little bit and they take a lot. And But the thing is that the whole time the needle keeps on moving left. Every time we concede, we never get something we want. They end up taking what we want and we end up giving them what they want. So how has that been helpful to us, America? It hasn't. So, you know, that's why I've been going on about these strategies of concession. And I, I, you know, I, for one, I'm just not having it, you know, and when you get someone who bucks the tide or who does more than one of the others, it's the ones who are laying under that tarp of complacency that don't want to be bothered. They just want to show up and uh, clock in, so to speak. Well, they get pissed off, right? When you start speaking truth, they get angry. You know, when you start saying things that could blow their cover, oh, that's when they really come out, you know, and that's when they really start to show you who they are, you know. Anyways, enough about that. We'll talk about some other stuff involved in that tonight. But, you know, so yes, so today, since we went off into John Cornyn land, <laughs> to borrow the parlance of some other, uh, you know, traitorous uh, Texan, right? Uh, when we went off into Cornyn land, you know, um, we uh, we got pretty, pretty wrapped up in that. We talked a little bit about the border. You know, it was a nice reprieve, right, to have like a Texas uh, conversation. And but yet it was very much so on the national national uh, topics. You know what I mean? Because my topics here for Texas. Well, those, ladies and gentlemen, have to do with our House Speaker and the way that my Texas House, the legislators, the lawmakers, the way they are working. And then everything else I'm seeing along with that as I uh, as I process uh, some of this information that I'm coming across. Um, so that's what I'm concerned with. You know, that's what I'm concerned with. Um, but still, regardless, it was still good to have that conversation today. Needless to say, I was over at the Capitol yesterday. And uh, we'll flesh this out a little bit more. And, and this evening, we'll have a little bit of a Texas conversation again, because uh, I think it's actually worth the national audience for them to see what is going on and for them to know how it's being handled. Because let's face it, we need more people in their own states doing stuff like this, okay, as opposed to this whole national conversation. They want you to have the national conversation. I'm not saying to stop doing what you're doing and to not work towards advancements in uh, in uh, forwarding our agenda of restoring the Republic and whatever that might entail as we tackle the federal level. But we have to do the exact same, if not more so at the local level, which means if we're writing letters, if we're making phone calls, if we're being activists for national topics, we should be doing at least that much on the local level if not more so, okay, if we're sending 10 bucks to Trump, you know, find yourself someone here that you can really trust and get behind. And that's, that gets a lot harder at the local level, believe me.
It gets a lot harder at the local level. And the reason why I said that gets a lot harder is because a lot of these people at the local level, they know everybody. Everyone knows everybody, especially in political circles. So when you're seeing these people face to face, it's not as easy to 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 really just shout out what it is that you want like you can at the national level you know because you have you might you might you might find yourself in the same restaurant with these people you might find yourself walking the same hallways with these people you might find yourself in their office and uh you know i i think i had this experience as well because you know um i went pretty mad on twitter um first yesterday morning and uh, I went hard on one of my local representatives from here in my county. I went hard. I'll, I'll, I wanted to share this with the uh, Lone Star State News audience earlier today, but we ran out of time. So we'll do it a little bit tonight if I have time. I should have time. I think we have time. You got to do two hours, guys. I am dead beat. Like, that's why I didn't do a show last night, you know, because I, tra I traveled up by train this time. I took a bus on Tuesday. I took a train on Thursday. <laughs> You know, I took everything but an automobile, ladies and gentlemen, automobile. Um, and so, you know, I was dead beat, you know, I mean, by the time I got back into town, it was uh, close to 10, right? Okay. And by the time I got myself situated, I was like, I cannot do a show tonight. Like I am just tired. Like I was drained. I, I still feel drained right now. Like I feel like, I mean, you know, earlier today I was good. Maybe it was the dinner I had. I had a pretty fatty dinner, like a pretty fatty dinner. It was really good, <laughs> but uh, maybe that's why I got the sleepies. Anyways, well, you know, I made myself some coffee. So, you know, this way I can like kind of hang out with you guys a little bit longer because, man, I tell you, I am tired. Uh, and let me tell you, the kind of individual that I am when it comes to like energies and it comes to being around people, it is. And I've been around people nonstop since Tuesday <laughs> and talking nonstop since Monday and talking and talking and talking after I am just I am beat y'all. And uh, so, you know what? Uh, knowing me will end up being here for three hours tonight, but, <laughs> and then I'll do, and then I'll do another show after that later on in the night. Right. Anyways. Um, but no, no, no. You know, cause like there won't be any shows tomorrow. I don't think, I think I'm finally off on the weekends. Right. I mean, not that I need to be, not that I have to be, but I probably do need to be, I need to give myself some time off. Right. Like, um, but anyhow, oh, you know, and it's not so much, it's just like, you know, doing the whole podcasting and live streaming thing, you know, as much as it is trying to, uh, when all of this information is coming in, you know, some people would tell me, I don't know how you do this every day, Mr. C, how you get up there and talk about the news. It's so depressing. It, it drains so much energy. It's like, you know, news is like the best psychic. punk you know it's all in how you look at it i think you know it's all in how you present it especially you know um i think that's probably why i i'm doing what i'm doing because at least i i mean i know i've had my i know i've had my alex joan rant throwback moments right um but it it, it really is all in how you handle it right it, it's really how in, in how you present it and stuff like that so uh at least that's my job right my job and how i present it trying i i always make attempts to keep it light and fluffy right so anyways guys so yeah we'll do that tonight of course we have our trump truths there's some really interesting things going on guys oklahoma i hope you're in the house tonight y'all because there's some trouble coming your way if you haven't heard already we'll talk about it later and this one literally almost knocked me off my seat whenever i read what's going on in oklahoma which is not good 
Um, I mentioned Brazil. We might touch on that tonight. I definitely would like to get the Texas stuff in. Uh, and then just a few other things, ladies and gentlemen, to consider. Uh, there's some information I hadn't had the chance to share. I actually didn't even get a chance to really look for an update right before getting onto the air. But you will, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out our time for that. Uh, and then a few other things. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, if you are joining us here live at the Sea Report, be you at Trobo, be you at Rumble, be you at Twitch, Odyssey, Pilled, be you at uh, Clout Hub. Uh, welcome on in and thanks for being live with us. Uh, please make sure that you hit that like and subscribe button or that follow and, uh, you know, rumble button and uh, share the information and spread the wealth. Ladies and gentlemen, spread the, hey, Oklahoma is in the house. How's it going, Tamgrel? Hello, Angel. How are you doing tonight? Hope you're doing well. Give my regards to your hubby and uh, thank you for gifting the can. Tamgrel says... It's crazy countries around the world having same political problems. This is World War III. Uh, interesting thought, notion, idea that. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I would imagine you might be speaking directly in reference to what's happening in Brazil, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. You know, they would like us to stay as isolated as possible from each other and from each other's news. They want to create uh, barriers that we could not get around. You know, maybe that's why they push like the racism, the xenophobia stuff, you know, and things like that. You know, uh, maybe that's why they have characters like uh, Nick Fuentes running around all about racism and stuff like that. You know, but uh, it's very interesting. It's very sad what's happening in Brazil right now, ladies and gentlemen. It's very sad. And uh, I mean, I didn't get to read through all of the information, but just what I saw, I just do not. I cannot believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening in the world. I can't believe it's happening in um, in, in America. I can't believe it's happening in Brazil, right? You know, and, and it could very well come to America. I mean, you know, look at what they're doing to the January 6th uh, prisoners, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, that's right on. I mean, it might be, you know, it might not be as many as there are in Brazil that are going through this. But with that in that massive number of people in Brazil that they have locked up, I mean, they're calling it concentration camps, ladies and gentlemen. They're calling it concentration camps. And uh, they are looking to uh, emulate that throughout the world, you know. Local good old boys, says Tam Growl. Yep, yeah, you got it. Those good old boys are killers, right? You know, and... Uh, I tell you what, man, uh, not you, uh, Tam girl, I'm not calling you a man, but like, <laughs> I mean, obviously, <laughs> I tell you what, man, uh, you know, and that's why, you know, we, and, you know, when I go on about the zeitgeist and stuff like that, and, and like how that's just trying to uh, keep us, you know, keep our minds and our attention situated on uh, whatever it is that the vibe, the feel is that they want us to concentrate on, you know, the same thing goes for politics. Uh, they have the exact they have strategies of of uh, distraction from politics. I mean, a big time strategies. That way you're looking over there and not over there. Look over there. Right. Like that, ladies and gentlemen, like that. I mean, exactly like that. They don't want you to look at certain things, so they will throw other things out at you, you know, and I believe that that was uh, one cons. They say about the devil, right? His biggest trick was making you think that uh, he didn't exist. Well, you know, the politician's biggest trick was making you think you didn't have to care about the local. 
So start caring, America, and doing something about it, because that is one of the major ways that they have been able to pull this off. You know, I was, try I was trying to work that out in my head over dinner. And, um, you know, because I said earlier today, like, if we were focusing on our local senators and representatives and our local elected offices, as opposed to the, uni the United States and the congressional and, you know, the senatorial of the House uh, on Capitol Hill, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about these yahoos. So I started thinking to myself, I was like, you know, is that truly a meritable point, Mr. C, that if indeed we had an upstanding state you know, that they would not be able to do what they do in Washington. And I had to mull it over for a minute. I was like, you know, I, you know that is true. Because, you know, say, for example, you know, and if we were at this level, I wonder if this is how something like that would play out. You know, you have someone like Senator Cornyn who wants to authorize this spending package, billions of dollars going to Ukrainians. Well, I mean, if the Texas House and the state is meant to protect us from federal overreach or exploitation, and we have a swamp creature like Cornyn exploiting us, yeah, I would imagine that any type of budgetary bill or any type of measure that was passed, even, even, even if we had a Texas-U.S. swamp congression, we pretty much do. Like, our U.S. representatives in Texas are pretty much all swamp creatures. I'm not talking about the state. Well, the state ones are all swamp creatures minus three at this point. You know, and, and don't talk to me about strategy. I'm done with this strategy of concession. We need a strategy, to, a strategy that goes around concession. Because like I said at the beginning of this uh, presentation 20 minutes ago, you know, that that strategy of concession has gotten us nowhere. And all it has done is it has lifted the careers and enriched the, dece the deceivers and the traitors. And it has assisted and aided the enemy. These strategies of concession have done nothing for America. In fact, that's why we are where we are, because we're always strategizing concession wise and we're always giving things up to, so they can get things. We're not giving things up so we can get things. We're giving things up so they can get things. You know what I mean? And, and what we get is a, a watered down tooth or sometimes downright treacherous version of a bill that really would have helped restore this republic ladies and gentlemen that needs to go you know it's 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 downright as bad as what the speaker of the house of texas has done it's very dangerous and that's why we're going to have this conversation tonight on the c report because it's very dangerous what dade Phelan has done Dade Phelan has managed to take the priorities of Texans and call them political in order to bar them from getting a vote in the House. Do you guys know how dangerous that is? Can you imagine if they were like, oh, well, you know, you talk about having election ID. That's political. That's political. So we can't have a vote on that because you can't use a political party in such a way. It's, it's, you know, do you guys get this? Like, this is dangerous. I mean, this for every reason is why we should be focusing on someone like Dade Phelan as opposed to John Cornyn, because you know what? All of his pals are going to do what they want with his vote or not. I mean, in case you didn't realize whether or not Cornyn backs them up, they're still going to get their way. We need to focus on our backyard. I cannot stress that enough. Can we, you know, you know how like it was Human Trafficking Awareness Day, right? And you know how they they assign days to everything so that we don't have to. Can we have like a, an influencers all in to their own backyard week where for that whole week, influencers do nothing but talk about their backyard? Can we do that? 
I mean, why not? I mean, we give everything else a day and a week. You know, we give everything else a holiday and a celebration, a day of memorial. Can we at least, you know, maybe uh, put it into something that would be useful for your community and our nation? Your community, not mine. Okay, your community. Okay, I mean, let's let's start putting your money where your mouth is if you're so concerned about restoring this republic. You know what I mean? Anyways, okay, so uh, getting on into it, um, let's do this. Oh, you guys, I'd seen that. Uh, Sarah Sanders, we had mentioned her yesterday. Oh, that this was a brief one. She, as the Arca the uh, governor of Arkansas, ladies and gentlemen, um, actually, actually, um, she, what was that? Oh, she, uh, what did she, oh, she terminated all existing COVID orders in the state of Arkansas. That's pretty awesome, guys. That's pretty awesome. You know, I, I've never dipped into Sarah Sanders, so to speak, and uh, like kind of Reese. I who heard daddy. Okay, other things about Mr. Huckabee, right? And uh, but anyhow, anyhow, uh, you so I, I mean, I've never really, never really researched her. I always like Sarah Sanders, but you know, it is a good. That was that was a piece of good news, you know, like that she terminated all existing COVID orders. You know, and, I, and then when I saw that, I found out, oh, hey, actually, you know, they had um, just actually just today, I think it was in Tarrant County, Texas, uh, we had a judge who rescinded all of the emergency uh, emergency authorizations that were still uh, there from COVID-19. And, uh, and then I found out that Collin County, Texas, had actually rescinded all of those emergency powers back in February of 2021, ladies and gentlemen. February of 2021. So, you know, we're talking about the governor of Arkansas, Right. And the power that, you know, that uh, office has um, uh, author well, has given her, her to authorize this. Then we're talking about the powers of the county and how the county was able to rescind it. And never forget, guys, that is, these are levels of protection. These are levels of checks and balances. Right. Your state protects you from your federal. Your county protects you from your state. Your city municipal protects you from your county. OK. Uh, and, and those are levels of checks and balances that I don't think is taught. Uh, I never heard about anything of this. I just realized that by analyzing all of the things that I do between shows, I'm like, whoa, like, okay, so they can't do that because the city did that, but that's the county, but that's a federal thing. But the state says no. So, you know, it's all levels of protection, guys. That's why the zeitgeist has you focused on Capitol Hill, where you can really affect no change because they're going to do what they want anyways. Okay. Imagine if like we had a unified state house all the way down to the local level in Texas and they tried to pass that bill uh, that they tried to pass that on. I bet you this would be the play. You'd have federal aid. You'd have federal swamp creatures trying to send billions of dollars and the state would say keep texas out of it you want to do it go ahead but texas ain't playing along we're not sending you money our taxpayers i bet you they could block it i bet you state rep representatives and state senators could block federal and federal representatives and federal senators i bet you they could do it and we would see that interplay but we don't know about that we've never gotten that far in our life as far as america is concerned because we're so focused on capitol hill we're not taking care of our own backyard and all of our state houses are filled to the gills with swamp creatures 
and all of our, you know, congressional and senatorial from Capitol Hill, they're all like pretty much, you know, swamp creatures. I mean, you could probably count on your hands and your toes the amount of actual true American statesmen in all state houses and the federal level. I bet you, I bet you there's no more than 20 from every single state house and the Capitol Hill. I bet you, you can count them on all your fingers and toes. I bet you it's less than that. I bet you it's, you can count them on both hands. Like I bet you, I bet you money. I bet you there, I bet you there's not more than 20 in this entire nation. And don't talk to me about the 20 that held up for McCarthy. Okay. Cause everyone seems to throw their eggs in a basket whenever they do something good. Okay. Well, guess what? John Cornyn was speaking out against human trafficking. So you're going to say, Oh, let's save John Cornyn. He's one of the great ones. Oh yeah. When he's exploiting it the whole time. Okay. I mean, everyone, I mean, I get it. You want to pat them on their back, right? But you know what? Maybe you should be doing that for someone at your local level. Okay. Instead of the freaking uh, federal level. I'm just tired of this federal stuff. You know, like I, I just, I just, the more I see how that strategy has gotten us where we are today, I just don't understand how other people don't see it. And they just get pissed off at me and they just want to talk back. And it's okay. They can talk back to me. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. I'm not going to hate anyone for that. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not, I mean, I might disagree, you know, but we're not going to, we're not, hopefully that's not the end of all things. Right. You know? So anyhow, guys, let me see what's going on in the chat room real quick before we move along. Hey, Sean, Joe, what's up? Tamgrel says, get some rest. See <laughs> Oh man, let me tell you what, like I am so beat. Um, yeah, my body's just not what it used to be, guys. Uh, it gets worn out a lot easier these days. Thanks for the cookie, Sean Joe. Much appreciated, sir. Uh, Woot Oklahoma says. <laughs> oh goodness. Hey, what is going on? Is that Gary Flesner? What is going on, Gary Flesner? How are you doing, sir? I hope you are well. I mean, your spirits are always high. That's not a pun, my my good man. Uh, but um, what do you call it? Uh, but I know you. Uh, you know what? I should I should shut up. I got I got someone who you know Gary Flesner. I I know I know how your bones ail you, sir. Good to see you in the chat room. I haven't seen you in so long. Uh, I'm glad that you're uh, I'm glad that you're 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 up and moving, sir. I'm glad that you're up and moving. Happy New Year, sir. I hope you had good holidays and I hope they were warm and 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 happy and all that good stuff. All that good stuff, Mr. Flesner. Thanks for popping in, dude. Let's see here. Uh Tamgrel says they will just raise the debt and print more toilet paper. Well, yeah, it's basically what they do. <laughs> Gary Flesner says this week was a big F up for the Dems across the board. And I like that. Yeah. You know, well, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, Gary, because I haven't been following the national so much. I mean, when I follow the national, I end up going on about, you know, traders with receipts anyways. Okay. So, but you know what? About the powers of like getting back to Sarah Huckabee Sanders and COVID-19 emergency powers and uh, the county powers and stuff like that, you know, far be it. And, and uh, no one is going to no one's going to be surprised by this. But, you know, you know, you have governors who never closed down their states. You have governors that are rescinding these authorities. Uh, you have counties in the state of Texas that are doing it. And, and then obviously, you know, you have someone like Governor Abbott, you know, the rhino. Um, <clears throat> uh, with all due respect, I think I will play this for President Trump in regards to Rhino Abbott, President Trump. Please be aware. 
<laughs> He's a rhino, sir, and he lied to you about his forensic audit. He lied to you, okay? He did not do a forensic audit. He did a fake audit, and it was not forensic. Well, no, it was an audit, but it was not a forensic audit. It was not anything like what we saw in Maricopa County in Arizona, right? They did not even inspect the ballots. They did not inspect the ballot papers. They did not even count all the ballots, right? They, they used that uh, risk minimizing uh, um, audit, right? The risk minim minimal risk audit. Isn't that the one where you have a minimal risk of being found out for the frauds that you are? Hey, you can use that one, influencers, if you want. Okay, so uh, uh, Governor Abbott, the rhino, you know, you have, it's pretty bad when you have counties that are rescinding these emergency powers, right? And, uh, you know, we already look bad as a state because other governors never closed down or they've already rescinded those powers. Not Abbott. Abbott went ahead and he reauthorized the disaster declaration in December of last year, you know, just a few weeks ago. So, you know, Abbott's, he, he has renewed them, ladies and gentlemen. But, but let's see, I, I you know, I was curious, what is the actual words? What is the verbiage? What is the context of Abbott's reasoning? What is his reasoning? And, you know, it's interesting, guys, because I knew whereabouts um, they had declared, you know, uh, the COVID-19, you know, a scare, right? The Red Scare. We'll call it the Red Scare, right? Um, but I did not realize they had actually made the disaster proclamation on my father's birthday. That's crazy. So to all whom these presents shall come. That is a weird way to open up something, would you say? To all to whom these presents shall come. Whereas I, Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, issued a disaster proclamation on March 13, 2020, certified, certifying under Section 418.014 of the Texas Government Code that COVID-19 poses an imminent threat of disaster for all counties in the state of Texas, and whereas in each subsequent month effective through today, I've issued proclamations renewing the disaster declaration for all Texas counties. And whereas pursuant to the Texas Disaster Act of 1975, I've issued a series of executive orders and suspensions of Texas laws aimed at protecting the health and safety of Texans, ensuring uniformity throughout the state and achieving the least restrictive means of combating the evolving threat posed by COVID-19. I don't know. I read this differently, right? Ensuring the uniformity throughout the state and achieving the least restrictive means. Uh, I mean, to me, that reads more like ensuring that everyone does what we say and everyone complies or else, right? Um, and what is the threat posed by COVID that no one wanted to go along with it? No one wanted to close shop. No one wanted to wear the masks. No one wanted the, uh, the, the inoculations. And that was a threat posed by COVID because they didn't have that threat without it, right? Whereas the executive orders GA13, GA37, GA3839, and 40 remain in effect with the force and effect of law under Section 418.012, of the Texas government code. And whereas ending the disaster declaration would terminate the executive orders that protect Texans freedom by suspending the power of local governments to require masks, compel vaccinations and close businesses. Okay. Wait, if you take away the disaster declaration, 
then it would be illegal. It would be unconstitutional for them to, it was unconstitutional for them to do that anyways. So that whereas makes absolutely no sense because if you terminate the disaster declaration, then people who should not have been forcing these things on, on Texans and Americans and people of the world anyways would not be able to do it even more so, don't you think? That seems like, I don't know, there's something there's something manipulative about that whereas as I read it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the next whereas says, whereas I intend to keep these executive orders and suspensions in place until the legislature can enact laws this session to prohibit local governments from imposing restrictions like mask mandates and vaccine mandates. Oh, okay. You know, this is all again. Okay. America, America, we've been going through all of the pinwheeling pantomiming of Texas politics. And uh, it's like I said on a previous C report, it might've been Wednesday. It might've been Tuesday. <laughs> But as I was saying, I am hoping if, if you know, we're, we're catching it, that uh, this will serve as an example of possibly the way things are working in your state house, America. It's a whole it's a huge pantomime and they rely on each other for the con. Ladies and gentlemen, they work much closer together than we would like to think. Ladies and gentlemen, they rely on each other for the con. Okay. They rely on each other in order to deceive the voters. They're all in the same club, ladies and gentlemen. And much like George Carlin said, we're not in it. Okay. We are not in it. Okay. Whereas renewing the disaster declaration in no way infringes on the rights or liberties of a law, any law. Yeah. You know why it does infringe on the rights, Governor Abbott? It infringes on the rights because it suspends the rule of law. It suspends the legislative process in favor of your emergency declarations. Yes, it does infringe on the rights and liberties of any law abiding Texan because you have effectively taken the power away from the legislative branch in order to do what you do and pass your executive orders that have the full weight and effect of the law, Governor Abbott. Whereas under the Texas Disaster Act of 1975, a state of disaster continues to exist in all counties during Texas's successful economic recovery from COVID-19. Now, therefore, in accordance with the authority vested in me by Section 418.014 of the Texas Government Code, I do hereby renew the disaster proclamation for all counties in Texas. Maybe that's something we should start working on at the county level. What do you say, Bear County? Getting uh, getting letters written and sent out and uh, and 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 forcing our commissioners to uh, to rescind any of these things or this because we can do it that way, you know. Uh, pursuant to Section four eighteen point zero one seven, I authorize the use of all available resources of state government and of political subdivisions that are reasonably necessary to cope with this disaster. Under the terms of executive orders GA through 38, 38 through 40, all of which remain in effect by virtue of this renewal, local governments are divested of any lawful authority to subject Texans to mask mandates, vaccine mandates. And he's going to put that in there because uh, that's going to, oh, yeah, we're going to keep these emergency powers. So this way you don't have to wear these masks. Well, you know what? If you rescind those emergency disaster powers, 
That means there's no declared disaster. People can't force those things on you, right? Unless they have a private business and they want to go out of business, you know? Pursuant to Section 48.016, any regulatory statute prescribing the process for conduct of state business or any order of rule strategy uh, that would in any way prevent, hinder, or delay necessary action in coping with this disaster shall be suspended upon written approval by of the gov Office of the Governor. However, to the extent that the emergency, that the enforcement of any stat, state statute or administrative rule regarding contracting of procure, Governor Abbott is using his own, Governor Abbott is using his own executive orders in order to keep these emergency powers, y'all. That makes no sense. All he has to do is repeal the thing and say it's over, it's done with, okay? You know, now behave, Texas. He's just trying to keep power. That's all this is. This is Governor Abbott keeping power. And that's it, guys. That is it. Wow. So uh, that's insane, y'all. That is insane. Let me see. Hey, Relanon, what's going on, sir? What is going on, sir? Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Sorry, I was seeing uh, what else was going on in the chat room here. They lost five or six court cases, says Gary Flesner, and Biden messed up big time. Were all the rhinos, they got them locked down. Do they have them locked down, Gary? How about the rhinos in your backyard, Gary? <laughs> Are they locked down yet? <laughs> I, I don't know what locked down means, though. What do you mean by locked down? Do you think they have their target locked? Because I still see a whole lot of patriots that are riding with the rhinos anyways. So, um, Gary has a Carrie Lake update. They have moved her case up a week. So that's good because they know it needs to be looked at. Excellent. Tam Grawl says, remember, you don't want to be a governor and be on the CCP list, right? That was just Pompeo consolidating power, probably. He's probably like, I know who each and every one of you are, so when I run for president, you better play ball, right? That was probably Pompeo doing that. Anyways, sorry, but Pompeo does not have President Trump's track record. So no matter what anyone says, I will never vote for Pompeo as long as President Trump is running. I'll never vote for anyone else as long as President Trump's running. That's why they keep trying to get him out of there. That's why the establishment keeps trying to get him out of there. That's why all of the supposed Republicans, supposed uh, uh, representatives, you know, that's why they are all uh, they are all showing their face now, you know, because they want the power. And, you know, it's because of them and because of influencers who go along with it that, you know, they're stripping people from his base because they're starting to see these other people as viable alternatives when none of them have President Trump's track record. I'm sorry, but I'm not. They do not have President Trump's track record. OK, and he's really the only one that I could trust in that regard because he's got the record to prove it. Every Everything else is just on good faith. And I think we've been working with good faith so long that that faith has turned sour. Not on us. Our faith hasn't turned sour, but they have turned it sour. Okay? Because we all seem to love the words, but no one seems to look at the actions. You know? 
when you get down to politics, it's all actions versus words. And the actions are the ones that should hold the weight. But unfortunately, because we're all talkies, it's the words that hold the weight and the actions we don't we don't pay attention to, you know? Actions versus words. Someone once said to me, if you were to watch all of this on mute, right? If you just put everything on mute and just watched what all these people were doing, you would see the real story. Don't you you mute that button, you know, mute that TV, mute that conversation and look at what they're doing. Don't even listen to the words, you know? And just look at what they're doing, and that will tell you what's going on. You know, that is a a, a way of analysis, I guess you could say. I mean, that's a you know a big a bigger type of project, obviously. But yeah, actions versus words, guys. Actions versus words. You know, and all of their actions, they don't match their words, ladies and gentlemen. They don't match their words. So anyhow, guys, uh, let's do some Trump truths while we're here. Uh, I didn't even get my page set up for the Trump truths. Let's do that. Dan Bongino's on the screen. Oh God, Mark Levin. Okay. <laughs> Is it, wasn't he also part of that? Where's the red wave? It's all Donald Trump's fault, right? Anyways. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Where do we leave off? We got quite a few. Whoa, look at those eyeballs. I'm going to be like, Schiff, stop mocking the Chinese. They do not appreciate it. Anyways, okay. So was that racist? <laughs> Fun stuff. Okay. Fun stuff. <laughs> what was that? Okay. Wowzers. Okay, we got, yeah, we got a few to go through. Oh, it's Hoods Pelosi. What up, Hoods Pelosi? Okay, is that it? I guess it's not, it's not gonna, oh, there we go. I guess it's not gonna let me go any further down the line. Okay. And geez, oh, that's pretty. Um, let's see here. Where, oh, where? Oh, wow. We did Paul Krugman, didn't we? Is this the retweet, a retruth? Yeah, I remember doing this one. We did. We talked about Paul Krugman. That's so funny, though. Paul Krugman and his uh, his his economic theories, right? <laughs> Goodness me, oh my. Okay, I think so. This is where we're at. Uh, and here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Page one: the special prosecutor assigned to get Trump to the get Trump case, Jack Smith is a Trump-hating thug whose wife is a serial and open Trump-hater, whose friends and other family members are even worse, and as a prosecutor in Europe, according to Rick Grinnell, put a high government official in prison because he was a Trump-positive person. Smith is a known, Smith is known as an unfair savage, and is best friends with the craziest Trump haters, including Lisa M Monaco, who runs Injustice. The boxes scam is a hoax. Page two. 
For seven years, from the day I came down the escalator in Trump Tower, the Democrat Party has weaponized the legal system using city, state, and federal law enforcement against me and the Republican Party as though they were a private protection agency. The greatest witch hunt in American history must end now. I beat the fake impeachments, the disgraceful Mueller persecution, and much else that the fake news does not want to write or talk about. But this charade must stop now. It has to, guys. It has to. I mean, we have the thing laid out on Musk about the media. And with the COVID thing, you would think it would only uh, surge even more so. The animus against the fake news media. The animus against you know, the, uh, the, the three-letter agencies. And we'll put the DOD in there as well, right? Because I'm really pissed off at the Department of Defense right now, guys. Um, and uh, let's see here. You know, I mean, all of these receipts, but like, it's like we see nothing happening, right? I mean, it is my hope and is also partially my belief that the people that need to hear these things are hearing these things, the ones that can actually affect change, the ones that actually want to affect change, you know? So anyhow, next one. What is up with this page one, page two, page three thing? Can someone decode that for me? I don't know what it means. Page three, fire a man who may very well turn out to be a criminal, Jack Smith. His con So we went back to Jack Smith. Okay. His conflicts, unfairness, and mental state of derangement may make him, may make him totally unfit for the job of getting Trump. Go after Biden and the Biden crime family instead. Like Bill Barr, the United States attorneys in Delaware and Illinois are weak, ineffective, and afraid to do what must be done. The election was rigged, and we are now losing our country. We cannot let that happen. Make America great again. You know, that got me thinking about something else, actually. And it's interesting that President Trump mentioned that in his uh, mentioned that in his uh, statement here from a day ago was that, um, you know, the whole thing with I guess they're calling it Garage Gate now. I don't know why they're calling it Garage Gate. I guess they found some like, you know, classified documents in Biden's garage. I mean, am I close? Am I warm, America? Or am I cold? Right. You know, so you know, I was like. Doesn't it figure that the very first House investigation would be into GarageGate when all of these yahoos were not saying one damn thing when President Trump was being raided in Mar-a-Lago? Not one of these damn duplicitous fake so-called representatives that you love and trust because they're speaking up for Trump months after the fact. Yeah, it figures that they would have their very first investigation into GarageGate. Why is their first investigation not into the Hunter Biden laptop? You know, why is their first investigation not into something far more substantial? I mean, we already know Trump is innocent. OK, we already know the powers that a president has over classified material. We already know the timeline. The American people understand, you know, I mean, and then what is it that we've got to do to prove to the Democrats in power that we understand? You know, are we going to do this tit for tat thing and now we're going to go after Biden? You know, what if this whole garage gate Biden U.S. thing is exactly for that purpose? 
so that they can get distracted and they can do an investigation into that first. And they're probably going to have the laptop like, I don't know, umpteenth on the list of things to actually investigate, right? In spite of the fact that Twitter already dropped the receipts that show that there was collusion and that the laptop was part of the rigging of the election. Hey, well, the influence over the election, okay? Like, it's just insane to me. I mean, no one seems to have their priorities straight these days, least of all Republicans, ladies and gentlemen, least of all Republicans, base and selected included, okay? Base and selected. I'm sorry, voters. I'm talking about you guys also, not my audience. <laughs> But I'm talking about the voters also, right? You know, like, I thought I was in Pennsylvania yesterday when I was at the Capitol. Everyone was hooting and hollering for the traitors. And that's why I had to speak up, y'all. I was not going to allow these traitors to talk to us like they're fighting for Texas when they voted Speaker Phelan into his office, okay? I was like, why are you here at this press conference? Don't tell me this is strategy. I'm done with strategies of concession strategies of removal ladies and gentlemen we need strategies to remove these people not to concede to them not to concede power to them that's not what we need okay we've lost everything because of that strategy it doesn't work we need something else okay all right what's the next statement from president trump Merrick Garland has to immediately end special counsel investigation into anything related to me because I did everything right and appoint a special counsel to investigate Joe Biden, who hates by much as Jack Smith hates me. Whoa! <laughs> no, President Trump. I know I get it. He's being facetious. I think President Trump is being facetious here, okay? I don't think President Trump would really want someone who's that biased and has that much animus against the person they're prosecuting because he's been on that side of the gun. He knows what that feels like time and time and time again. You know, whether it was Peekaboo James up in New York or whether it was uh, whether it was what you talking about, Willis, down in Georgia, you know, or whether it's this Jack Smith guy from over here and who knows where Jack Smith is from, right? I, you know, you know, you want it fair and balanced. I mean, the bad guys don't want it fair and balanced because they know if it's fair and balanced, then their ship is sunk, right? But anyways, that's a, that's an interesting statement there. I still like it. <laughs> All right, next statement. Oh, this is not a statement. That's from the Washington Times. Okay, we'll just go ahead and run through these, run over these real quick. Trump eyes South Carolina event in late January to jumpstart campaign and early primary state. Are you guys ready for some more campaigns? I, I hope President Trump will uh, see his way closer to my neck of the woods this year. Because I don't know that I can afford a train to go to Houston. I don't want to go to Houston. I don't want to go to East Texas. Please do not go to East Texas, President Trump. Please come to Central South Texas. Please. There's plenty of flat land between uh, San Antonio and uh, and uh, the hill country. Plenty of flat land between San Antonio and Austin to the east that you can easily set up one of your stages and have hundreds of thousands of your support. And I would definitely be there for that. I would apply for press credentials. <laughs> that would be amazing. Okay. 
And I'm all, not that I have the outfit, and I'm not talking about clothes, but not that I have the uh, the outfits to actually function as a uh, <laughs> actually function as a, a member of the press and live stream out throughout the day. But anyways, uh, let's see here. A lot of Washington Times today. Mr. Gates, leader of GOP rebellion, rebellion predicts they will not try to oust Speaker McCarthy. Well. You got to see, you got, you know, when it comes to the decisions, unless I feel that he is being really ill advised. Okay. I mean, I just got to say, maybe that there's something else going on here, you know, and, and I'll just take this moment to say this thing one more time. You know, no one is going to look at the presidency the same ever again. You know, I mean, I certainly hope I'm not the only one that will be looking at things after President Trump is president again, I'm going to be looking because my eyes see things a lot differently than they did last last term with President Trump. I'll be looking at everything, okay? Because the closer we get to restoring this republic, the more things we're going to start to notice and see that just don't add up sometimes. And there's reasons for that, you know? There are reasons for that. Okay, next statement from President Trump. Oh, this is so pretty. Look at that. That would be so cool to see in person. Uh, Christy Noam, the best way to celebrate America's birthday is with fireworks at Mount Rushmore. Today, the Biden administration rejected them again. President Trump says, but I made this incredible event happen and there was and was there to celebrate with the great people of South Dakota and America. Ridiculous that this ridiculous that it is no longer allowed. So great for USA spirit as president, it will soon happen again. I love Mount Rushmore. I could see President Trump's face right here. What do you guys think? You see this spot? It's nice and right for carving and chiseling, ladies and gentlemen. I'm definitely going to like that. You know what? I'm going to retruth that one as well, in part because of the pretty picture. Okay. Let's see what else we got here, guys. Importantly, I have single-handedly shown the American public how crooked and corrupt our government is. Now we can fix it. That's right, guys. We're about restoring the Republic and fixing the Republic. So, but you have to know what's broken in order to fix it. You got to know who the traitors are in order to boot them out or keep them under your thumb. So this way they can stop being such bad, such bastards, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so we can stop being such bastards. Okay. All right. I don't want to look at Hoods Pelosi. She actually made a sneak peek during a, uh, Lone Star State News, and I was downright nearly devastated. I hope the courts, says President Trump, are studying these horrible statements of hate. They are the real insurrectionists, not me, and not the patriots who protested a rigged election. Hmm. I have a feeling I know what this one is. We're not going to watch the video. Okay. All right. What's next? Patriots in control. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the intelligence experts who falsely discredited Hunter Biden's laptop and still won't say sorry. Patty Brandmeier, Ronald Marks, Chris Savos, Don Hepburn, 
James Bruce Nada Bacos David Car Carlin Stephen Hall John McLaughlin Leon Panetta James Clapper Doug Weiss Michael Hayden you know I heard tell that this dude was running child sex trafficking operations out of Florida. Go figure, right? Uh, Steven Slick, Michael Morell, uh-huh, Cynthia Strand, Rick uh, Ledget, Glenn Gerstel, Jeremy Bash. Interesting. I just thought I would uh, breathe those names into the air. President Trump says, and this is a retruth, our country is sick inside, very much like a person dying of cancer. The crooked FBI, the so-called Department of Justice and Intelligence, all parts of the Democrat Party and system, is the cancer. These weaponized thugs and tyrants must be dealt with or our once great and beautiful country will die. Sad but true. Sad but true. What do you think President Trump agreed with on Biden? <laughs> agreed with Biden on, excuse me. Agreed on with Biden? There you go. That was actually better, better grammar. I don't know if I want to. I don't want to know. No, just kidding. Oh, <laughs> how did I not recognize this? Yeah, it'd be better if we actually did hear it from the whore's mouth, right? I mean, because that's what he is. He sells himself, his values, his integrity, and his moral. Enrich himself. He's a whore. Okay. So yeah, we'll play. Well, we want to hear it straight from the whore's mouth. So let's play this. Okay. Here we go. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Isn't that crazy, guys? Yeah, I would agree with that 100% also. Um, yeah, definitely going to retruth that. Man, so that video is now uh, captured for all to see from President Trump. That's great. <laughs> Excuse me. Trump met with a man who praises Hitler and calls Jews termites. Just kidding. That was Obama. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Oh, my neighbors are playing with my Wi-Fi again. Hold on. Okay. So let's see here. Yeah. You, all the green boys, the green boys who moved into my apartment complex, like, I don't know, last summer or something like that. Anyways. Okay. Uh, let's see here. What's this? Replying to just say, and we the Pepe. Who's we the PP? I'm not a PP. Anyways, okay. Caucus, 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 right? Anyways, okay. <laughs> we'll go ahead and skip that. Okay. Who's we the PP? And and are patriots aware that they are being referred to as a PP? Anyways, okay. Just wondering. All right. Um, President Trump will be my guest on radio tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Don't miss it. Oh, do we have a Trump interview? Is that why he was on the screen, Levin? Oh, let's read this. Uh, is anyone aware of how long that interview was? Was it like a 30-minute or 40-minute interview? Because if it is, I'm not going to play it. If it's like, yeah, 15, maybe we'll play it. I don't know. 
Congratulations to Alex Triantafalu for his election to state party chairman in a great in the great state of Ohio. Huh. He's from Cincinnati, a city I know very well. A special thank you to Bob Patichuk for his work at the state party for the last two years. Yeah, I came across, and this is actually kind of neither here nor there. I came across all of these. Did you guys know that Ohio was a very popular meme for a while? It's still kind of popular in some circles. I don't understand it. <laughs> I was like, what's this with Ohio? It's like, so I made my own meme anyways with Ohio. I thought it was kind of funny. What was it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll regale you with it at the end of the show. I don't know, but like. <laughs> Anyways, okay, moving right along. Oh, okay, we already went through this article. Schiff is a criminal. I agree with you, sir. Yes. Oh, wait. Did I? Uh, oh, yeah, I did like it. Okay, we'll go ahead and like that one, too. Uh, let's see here. We'll go ahead and skip through that. Congressional trolls, Twitter files show company new Democrat claims about Russian bots were false. And that's why the Washington Compost published that article. I was like, but there was not really any influence that that did anyways, you know? So it's okay. Okay that we lied and that we uh, we used Russia to uh, to um, get Trump in trouble because it didn't it didn't have any influence over people anyways. A new release of the Twitter files provides further evidence that, oh, let me expand that for you guys so you can see. Yeah, I heard a Twitter files dropped today, right? A new release of the Twitter files provides further evidence that the company was aware that claims of Russian bots on the platform made by Democrats and the media were wildly exaggerated or outright fabrications. Nevertheless, Twitter continued to indulge the Democrat and mainstream media push conspiracy theory in public. And so it's Twitter drop number, what, 11 or 12 or something like that? So anyhow, ah, we got so much shift on the screen today. Can we get someone in here to clean up all this shift? Wow. Sorry to hear that, Tam Growl. Hopefully you got that fixed up. Hopefully you got that fixed up. All right. Uh, let's see here. Next statement. Oh, well, not statement, maybe. Or is it? Yeah. Twitter files reveal how Dems defied Twitter to spread Russian bot hoax. Twitter files reveal how Dems. Okay. Uh, in the 14th. Oh, it's the 14th installment. Okay. The, in the 14th installment of the Twitter files, journalist, someone, someone omitted that some files, I guess that in the 14th installment of the Twitter files, journalist Matt Taibbi revealed how Democrats chose to falsely accuse their opposition of being Russian bots, even though Twitter directly disagreed with them. I'm sure. Hey, maybe we'll dip into it. Enough people are talking about Twitter guys. We got to talk about stuff people aren't talking about. Yeah. I, you know, you know I like to defy the zeitgeist, guys. Okay, so uh, moving right along. Trump's truth social platform reaches record levels of activity while big tech faces crisis. Oh, that's good to note. That's good to note that uh, that it's actually uh, it's more active than others. Because I think I've been more active on the other one than that one. But maybe that means that people just aren't going to use Twitter anymore because they're like, oh, now we have to listen to all of these people who don't think like us, right? <laughs> and they're so much more passionate and they have so much more drive and what they're saying makes so much more sense. We just have to stop using Twitter now, right? Fine by me. I mean, fine by me. I don't care either way. You know, 
I'm just having fun over there. That's all. University that housed Biden center pressed to end FBI China spy probe after being after big Beijing donations does not surprise me. The University of Pennsylvania, the Ivy League institution, which collected tens of millions of dollars from China while paying Joe Biden and hosting his foreign policy think tank, successfully pressured the Biden Justice Department to end an FBI counter-espionage program targeting Beijing's increasing influence within U.S. academia. Makes me wonder how much they paid the FBI to do that. Is this the uh, Levin interview? President Trump. Ah, it's only 10 minutes, y'all. Okay, so uh, let's see if we can do this because I don't think I could stomach Levin's face for like an hour <laughs> for 10 minutes. I can't stomach Levin's face for like one minute more. Give me a second, guys. Let's do this. Okay, and let me do that. And, ah, dang it. Whoops. Okay. Levin. To do, to do. All right, let's see. What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? Oh, what's it gonna be? Oh, it's my president. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's my president, y'all. It's my president. Okay, he's my president, not your president. Just kidding. <laughs> My president, okay. <laughs> Everyone else is betraying him, okay. Uh, let's see here. My president, all right. Keep your hands away from my president, all right. Okay, <laughs> I'll get you, okay. All right, just kidding, guys. I'm just being silly. All right, so let's do this. How does how does this look? This is a lot better than having to look at Levine for ten minutes. I assure you, okay. Isn't that much better than looking at Levine for 10 minutes? Okay. <laughs> I think it is. I don't know. Maybe someone would disagree. Oh, no, it's Levine. Ah, <laughs> he's back. Go away, Levine. Oh, wait. No, no. I work like that. I don't do my shows like that. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> so, oh, no. What am I doing? Oh, no, Levine. You've sabotaged me. Okay. Oh, I have direct messages now. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> My bad. How long have we been able to send direct messages on Truth Social, guys? I'm like way out of the loop. I mean, I never use direct messaging anyways. I guess that's why. Okay. What is going on here? I am so confused. Okay. All right. Tell you what. We'll listen to this uh, Trump Levin um, uh, thing. <laughs> oh, wait. That was in it. Here. Where did the, where'd you go, Levin? Now he doesn't want to come up. He's like, if you're not going to show my face, then why are we even going to be on the, Levin? Would you stop your, people are like, Mr. C, you always personify your computer. I just, <laughs> all right, guys, here we go. Don't worry, I'll fix, I'll fix it. Hold on. Okay, just so you guys have hope. There is hope, America. There is hope. Okay, here we go. President Trump, how are you, sir? Hello, Mark. How are you? Well, I'd rather be in Florida, I can tell you that, than Virginia. I know. The weather's beautiful in Florida. Always beautiful in Florida. Well, Mr. President, uh, there's been some breaking news over the last few days. It appears that 
classified material has been found in three different locations uh, in the Biden world. What do you make of this? Well, it's incredible, actually, uh, with all the talking that they did. You know, we have a secure place at Mar-a-Lago. We were dealing very nicely with NARA, which is a radical left group, as you know. They have, they've re- Does anyone understand that they've red flagged the Bill of Rights and the Constitution of the United States? And they red flagged it as dangerous or potentially dangerous. And this is the people we're dealing with. But we were nevertheless dealing with them fine, as we're supposed to. If you look at uh, all of the different legislation that's been passed over the years, I mean, you we're supposed to be dealing with them and talking to them. We were doing that. All of a sudden, they raid Mar-a-Lago, and we had it secure. Look, Mar-a-Lago, you know Mar-a-Lago. It's a very secure place to start Absolutely. off with. But the Presidential Records Act, if you take a look at the Presidential Records Act, that's there to the president and also the country. And I fall under that. Plus, I have the right, as you know, to declassify documents, and the vice president doesn't have that right, has mm-hmm. no rights to do that. He comes under the Federal Records Act. That's a very, very strict act, whereas the Presidential Records Act is very much different. And we were living up to that, and then all of a sudden we got raided, I guess for publicity reasons, but I don't think that publicity worked out very well for them. And now they're starting to find all of these highly classified, not just classified, highly classified documents and if you look at the picture of him in the Corvette and take a look behind it, Yeah, I don't uh, know what's going on here. Give me a second. Oh, there's Where did you guys leave off? Hold on. Yep, yep, yep. I got it, guys. Don't worry. I got it. We're fixing it. We are fixing it. We'll just rewind it like a minute or so. All right, maybe two minutes. There we go. Okay. We got it fixed now. Ready? Are you ready? If you're ready, say ready. Mar-a-Lago. And we had it secure. Look, Mar-a-Lago, you know Mar-a-Lago. It's a very secure place to start off with. But the Presidential Records Act, if you take a look at the Presidential Records Act, that's there to protect the president and also the country. And I fall under that. Plus, I have the right, as you know, to declassify documents. And the vice president doesn't have that right, has Mm -hmm. no rights to do that. He comes under the Federal Records Act. That's a very, very strict act, whereas the Presidential Records Act is very much different. And we were living up to that. And then all of a sudden we got raided, I guess, for publicity reasons. But I don't think that publicity worked out very well for them. And now they're starting to find all of these highly classified, not just classified, highly classified documents. And if you look at the picture of him in the Corvette and take a look behind it in the garage, They got papers strewn all over the place. It's a mess Mm -hmm. of all the papers. I've never seen anything like it. And uh, they just got announced. I guess you probably know it because you usually announce these things before anybody else. That Hunter Biden is the actual owner of this house, Hunter Biden. And you know what? 
his reputation is and uh, the problems he's had over the years. So it's a, it's a disgraceful situation. Uh, they appointed a Trump-hating prosecutor, hates to a level like you wouldn't believe, his wife, his sister-in-law, all of his friends, all the big Trump-haters. And this guy is, uh, you know, really Smith. an atrocious Trump-hater. And the man they appointed as the special, I call it prosecutor in my case, the special counsel in the other case, is a much different type of person. Mm-hmm. They appointed a man. They appointed a special counsel prosecutor in your case, right? Who prosecutes genocidal uh, leaders who slaughter people? Yep. Now, why would they pick somebody like that? That's rhetorical. Let me ask you this. So Merrick Garland sits on this for two months. Mm-hmm. He sits on it through the midterms election. Right. He appoints a special counsel against you on November 18th. By then, he knew about at least one batch of these documents that Biden had. By then, uh, he, he had assigned this U.S. attorney from Chicago. It's all secret. They don't say anything. And the, but, but he appoints a special counsel of the kind that you're talking about who's been who's been effectively admonished by the U.S. Supreme Court in a unanimous decision that he overreached in the prosecution of the former governor of Virginia. He goes out of his way to appoint a man like that. You must be wondering, you had leak after leak and do about your situation, including lies like you had nuclear secrets. And in this case, they're able to keep it secret for 60 days. Doesn't that demonstrate the partisanship of all this? Well, it's terrible. It's a terrible situation. But I must say, four days ago when that was announced, uh, the anchor at CNN, I was showing a clip of it, said, no, no, he's done it again. She's referring to me. And I haven't done anything again. These are all hoaxes, whether it was impeachment hoax number one, number two, the Mueller scam, the Mueller persecution, all of these different things and so much else uh, that even people don't even know about. This has been a weaponization of the Justice Department and system like nobody's ever seen before. And the people get it. They understand it and they see it and they don't like it. But it all sort of changed four days ago, you know, when Biden is admonishing me for documents that I'm allowed to have as president. I'm allowed to have, you know, when I flew into Florida, I got to I landed before 11 o'clock. We were in Mar-a-Lago shortly thereafter. I was still president of the United States. I believe until 12 o'clock and I was in there. That's a big difference, too. And we were allowed to take this. Uh, Many presidents took things with them. Uh, Clinton took. And in fact, he won a case called the Sox case. And they were taking it out in Sox. But Clinton took and Nixon took. They actually paid Nixon, I think, 18 million Uh dollars for the things he took. He sued them. And they ended up paying. And I think that's really how the Presidential Records Act came about. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you take a look at Bush and Bush, uh, they took, they all took. But what I take, it's uh, a little bit different. And what I took, I took, I was allowed to take. And again, the president has the right to declassify mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of rights that a vice president doesn't have. And again, the vice president comes under a very, very severe act. Nobody likes to talk about that on television. But the Presidential Records Act is I'm supposed to negotiate. I'm supposed to deal. I gave them a lot of stuff. I was ready to give them the stuff that they raided. You know, they come in, all of a sudden they raid. They said, oh, could you put an extra lock? And, you know, Mar-a-Lago is built like a, a fort. It is. You know, Mar-a-Lago was supposed to be Marjorie Merriweather Post E.F. Hutton built it, the wealthiest people in the world at the time. And they built it. 
And they built it really as the Southern White House uh, that was gifted to Washington. And then Jimmy Carter turned it back because he thought it was too expensive for the United States to have that, if you can believe it. That was, you know, that was lucky for me. But Jimmy <laughs> Carter, in one of his many great moves, turned it back. He, they gave it to him. And today it's, you know, it's a very valuable thing and it's magnificent. But it was actually built because of its security. It's got high walls all over. It was built because of the security. But on top of that, I have security. And on top of that, we have the Secret Service here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had a very well-guarded situation, whereas you look at where they're finding these documents in an office with no security or in a garage with absolutely no security in a house that wasn't even owned by him. It was owned by Hunter. And I think you're going to find a lot more because in Delaware, I understand they have a tremendous sash of documents. And I'm sure when you look at that, you're going to find documents that you didn't even believe. And the biggest problem, Mark, is it's China. China gave $55 million mm -hmm. to the University of Pennsylvania, where I went. I went to the Wharton School of Finance at Penn. And, uh, you know, I'm disappointed in them as a school. But China was paying through that money. Uh, Biden got a million dollars a year for a think tank, mm -hmm. if you can believe it. So. They paid Biden a million dollars a year out of the money that China gave. Now, if China wants to see those documents, I'm sure they would say, come on, let me show you. Mm -hmm. let me, the National Archives, when you raised Obama a couple of months back and said, look, he took all these documents, which he yes, did. She did. They yeah. they jumped to his defense that, you know, oh, the, yeah. the that the furniture place that he put him in, that they secured it yep. and so forth and so on. But, Mr. President, these are Obama administration documents. So clearly the National Archives did not get all the documents, quote unquote, when they are with Joe Biden. So the National yeah. Archives lied. They did. And Biden took them. And maybe Obama didn't even know that. But Biden probably possibly didn't. But uh, Biden took them and his vice president. He doesn't have the rights to no. do this. And what he did is a very, you know, it's a very serious problem. It's a very serious problem, but it's not a problem for me. I'm allowed to do that. And you look at the law, the Sox case that I told you about, that was a case that allowed Clinton to take things that he took. He took mm -hmm. things and they ended up in litigation and Clinton won, meaning he was allowed. It's a very famous case, the Sox case. And he was allowed to take things as president. And I am, too. And they made such a big deal out of it. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and he was acting so sanctimonious, by the way, uh, to use an interesting term. Uh, but Biden, if you take a look at it, what he did, and then all of a sudden, this stuff just starts coming out. And I have a feeling a lot more is going to come out over mm -hmm. the next uh, coming months in terms of him. But this prosecutor should resign. He's got a conflict. My prosecutor. This Jack His name Smith. is Jack Smith. I wonder what his name was before Smith. I don't know. Maybe it was Smith. But it seems like such a nice name, Jack Smith. Uh, he is a terrorist. He is a Trump hater. His best friends are Weissman and all of these characters. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Monaco at the Justice Department, one of the top officials. No, they only gave us uh, 10 minutes. I guess it's a longer hey, We are live. What's up, guys? Welcome to Fresh Who's Podcast, live? Man. Who are you talking about? What you talking about, Willis? What you talking about? Okay, so you guys, you can't hear the guy who's yelling in my ear right now. Let's find out who it is. Oh, you're not going to see who it is. Hold on. Hold on. Gross. I would never have such people in my 
uh, turnstile of uh, entertainment and news. Why you got to feed me garbage, Rumble? Anyways, okay. 6.66 likes, that figures. Okay, just I don't even know who this is. All right. Um, by the way, good evening, Awakened Mom. Good evening, Raven2000. Great to see you. Ah, oh, they only played 10 minutes of that. Okay, there was, it's actually a 15-minute interview. Okay, we got five more minutes, guys. Are you ready? Sorry about that interruption, by the way. I didn't realize that uh, I, I hadn't heard this yet. But that's a very, this is a very interesting conversation, isn't it? A very interesting conversation. I mean, most of this, well, I mean, maybe some of the details not all of us were aware of. I mean, when was it? Uh, it was back in January, right? Last year. It was a year ago when here on the Sea Report, we were talking about how the NARA was already woke. This was all before. We were talking about this before it happened. Maybe it was in like in October when we were talking about the NARA going woke and then putting all these labels on the founding documents saying that they were uh, tools of hate and stuff like that. And, and reader beware, this could trigger you, right? And, uh, and then, then this happened with Trump. And then, uh, you know, we were going through that saying no, because Cash Patel had come out already, like a way ahead of this storm, had already come out and talked about how all of those documents were declassified. And then like three months later, around March, all the influencers picked up on it, right? Whenever the Mar-a-Lago raid happened, then people were really talking about it, you know? So, um, but the details, though, like we knew about the Clintons, you know, we knew about the Reagan and stuff. Uh, but a lot of the other things, like the fact that Joe Biden as a vice president had taken these, I mean, of course, this is just coming out now. A and now that it's come out, that's when you have all of these people who are now like, uh, oh, well, you know, President Trump didn't do anything wrong. But none of them said a thing back when Mar-a-Lago happened. None of them said a thing over a year ago when Cash Patel and the Sea Report were talking about it, right? You know, none of them said anything. None of these Republican representatives or senators, none of these talking heads, the only ones who were saying anything was the Sea Report, uh, Cash Patel. Uh, who else had articles on it? I think I think Breitbart might have had an article. The Gateway Pundit might have had articles on it, uh, one or two, you know, because that's where I was getting my information from, right? Uh, so, uh, but, but now all of these Republican representatives and senators, oh, Trump did nothing wrong. Trump, it's all Biden. And I'm like, where were you a year ago? Why are these people always so slow on the uptake? I get that they're busy, but come on. You know what I mean? Come on. All right, let's finish this interview. We're almost done with it. Ah, it's Levin. Here, let me get him off the screen. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Not a big Levin fan, guys, but uh, I will listen to an interview with my president. So... Here we go. Just, you know, it'll be, it will be rewound a little bit. Okay. We should be good there, I think. All right, let's go. Years ago when the Obama stuff uh, came out, because these are probably mostly, I guess, in all cases, they're Obama documents, unless mm -hmm. he took from the previous administration, which I doubt. But when all of these documents started coming out and Biden had them, it really changed the complexion uh, and the intensity that they were showing to me because, uh, you know, what they did is, is, I don't say far worse. I did nothing wrong. What they did is not good. What they did is bad. Mm -hmm. What they did is when your folks were negotiating with them, then they didn't hear for a few months. And then all of a sudden, these FBI uh, SWAT team shows up. There had been no discussions whatsoever, and I don't see, and I could be wrong, we don't have all the facts, I don't see them subpoenaing Biden, 
because they found document after document. I didn't see any SWAT team to try and get documents. You see, you see a, they immediately criminalized your situation and they admit yeah. and they handled Biden under administrative processes. But now. But now that we have a special counsel, but you're right, these are two different people. There's no evidence that this guy who they appointed to go to investigate Biden uh, comes in with any heavy duty animus. But there is evidence that this guy, Jack Smith's family is heavy duty Obama uh, and and uh, and his background really well, is he's a disciple of Obama's attorney general, as you probably know. And they're best friends and all this. And they've been spending years trying to get me and uh, Hillary Clinton, the whole group. This guy is a disciple. And they say he's tough. What's tough? What does tough mean? They say he's tough. We don't want tough. We want fair. Okay. Mm -hmm. They can be tough and fair, but he's not fair. And he's only out to do one thing. But this threw a, a wrench into the works. This really gummed it up because what Obama did and what, and, you know, maybe he was involved in, you know, for all I know, he might have been involved. But what he did, what, you know, Biden did with the Obama papers or the papers of Obama Biden is incredible. And it's really changed the equation. And I will say the Republicans are united like practically never before. You know, that whole situation that went on for four or five days with 17 roll calls and all of the different things, it actually went to. Uh, and I know you were very much for Kevin getting it done because, you know, you, you understood that uh, it would have been a disaster had we not got that done then if we had to wait another three days before it started up again. I'm not sure what would have happened. Some bad things could have happened. But the Republican Party is I mean, I'm watching them. They are really angry about this and they're very united, very, very united. It's been if, if we had done it typically on the first call. I think you'd have not near the unity that you have right now within the Republican Party. It's amazing, actually. I've got one last question, Mr. President, and that's this on taxes. So they, they keep putting out words that, you you know, you must have criminal activity. You're hiding in your taxes and so forth. Turns out your taxes were done in complete consistency with the federal internal revenue code right. uh, that you are worth billions of dollars, that you didn't write these laws. You complied with the law. They've gone over it. They have found nothing. And then they leaked them to the public. Right. Don't you think my view is, well, we ought to do that to Nancy Pelosi, because the only way to stop yeah. these people is to do the same thing to them. And she was in charge of legislation coming down the pike. So wouldn't it be worth taking a look at that? That's my opinion. Well, it is, but it's a criminal act. You're not allowed to do that. What they did, you know, is probably a shift for somebody. Shift is so bad. But um, they leaked them, and that's a criminal act. You're not allowed to do that, and that's being looked into right now. But, you know, I heard for years, I heard about my taxes, my taxes. So the firm that does my taxes is, I think, the biggest, but one of the biggest, and and maybe the most respected firm in Washington, D.C., and they are a law firm, and they go over it, and they do it, and they're responsible. I don't know. You know, I wouldn't even know. I right. I do a good job. I built a great company, really far greater than anyone understands. And that's starting to come out now. It's a great company. You know, I got sued for values by the Attorney General of New York. The values are higher than what's down on the state, and mm -hmm. not lower, many of them. Uh, but the overall values are much higher. And, you know, I got sued. Nobody ever heard of getting sued for values. People put values. And uh, trying to protect banks. Banks that are represented by the most prestigious and, and best law firms anywhere in the world. 
and they're trying to protect banks. In the meantime, people in New York are being shot all over the place, and nobody does anything about it. It's disgraceful. But I heard so much about taxes, taxes. And finally, after a number of years, very unfair, uh, they were able to get my taxes. It shouldn't have been allowed, but the Supreme Court allowed them to do that. And they did it. They went through them, and that was it. No, no, it was like people say, well, what Mr. Happened? President, I know you have to go, and we have to go because of a break. I want to thank you very much. I'm sorry you have thank to you, Mark. deal with all this stuff all the time, and yet you, uh, you're you uniquely uh, capable. I don't know if it's your DNA or what well, uh, to that... fight these people off. So God bless you, my friend. It helps when we have people like you. I want to tell you, your voice is so important, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you, sir. God bless. Screen so I could get this fixed real quick before they start playing the next. We are ah, why are these people being pushed? Who are they? Anyways, okay. Great interview, ladies and gentlemen. Great interview. Don't, okay, you know, did you hear the words of your president, ladies and gentlemen? That would be criminal when Levin says we should do the same thing to them, right? That's what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. That is the integrity that so many these days lack. Now, do you think that President Trump personally might like to or would would like to see something like that happen to Pelosi or to any of them, knowing that these guys are criminals? I would say, you know, I mean, we're all far from perfect, right? We're all far from perfect. Yeah, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But either way, the example is being set here, guys. Okay. We cannot stoop to their levels. We cannot use the same type of weapons that they use. Okay. Uh, we have to be able to find the recourse that can get us through. We have to be done with this, uh, this, uh, environment of, of, um, I don't know, equal retaliation. You know, it's just, it's like the entire concession thing, right? Strategy by concession. You know, we need to find a way around that or through it. We don't have to employ the same methods that these people use against us, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but anyhow, that's just me soapboxing. So uh, calm down, calm down, calm down. Okay. All right, guys. So that's going to move us on to our next topic for tonight. Speaking of the world. Yeah, that was a pretty good interview. That was a pretty good interview. And I really appreciate that President Trump said that, you know, about the tax situation. Okay. And it's funny because we don't hear anything about the taxes anymore. We heard them trying to get the taxes for so long, but we don't hear anything about it anymore. Very interesting, right? Very interesting. So uh, I see that uh, Tam Girl had said in the uh, chat room there. Tam Girl had said in the chat room, where where is it, Tam Girl? I'm looking for your looking for your statement here. Something about oh yes, it was that it was that statement that you had made a few minutes ago. Well, a little bit more than a few minutes ago, about looking at the world and it was like World War Three or something. When did you say that? Okay. <laughs> I know I'd seen that in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, that was at the very beginning almost. It's crazy countries around the world having the same political problems. This is World War Three. Yeah, and then uh, was it uh, Raven? Raven 2000 who concurred, right? Or was it, was it uh, oh, it was Awakened Mom had concurred. 
you are right. Look at the countries. We can see it now. Definitely World War III. So like, you know, speaking of nations, speaking of different countries, speaking of all of that jazz, um, next topic is going to take us right to home, to Oklahoma. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a look real quick. All right. What do you see there, my dear friends in the audience? Yeah, I'm extremely, I, I feel a certain way about this. I, I literally, I literally ejaculated. Not in the, You know what that means, like when you're all, but that's an ejaculation, right? It doesn't necessarily have to do with what's in your pants, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, go look at the dictionary, okay? <laughs> I exclaimed, okay? All right, does that sound better? Probably it does, right? Okay, everyone's going to cut out. A soundbite of Mr. C, of Mr. C saying, I ejaculated. As long as you put caucus, caucus, caucus in there too, I'm okay with it. All right? And make sure I get a copy as well so I can uh, laugh at it sometime. Anyways, so yeah, yeah, look at that. Look at that, guys. We've got the United States flag flying next to the Ukrainian flag. We already knew that we had Americans over there helping these people. We already have, you guys have the footage. You guys have seen the footage, right? You guys have seen the footage here. I'm going to play it for you one more time, okay? So let me let me do this real quick. Ooh, we had a color change here at the Sea Report. Hold on. I had to dip into this other uh, this other folder here to pull this video. Let me pull this video up. You guys have seen this before, and I've played this here before on the Sea Report, but we're going to play it again right now. So this way you guys can see how far back it goes. In fact, we were just talking about Amy Klobuchar and John Cornyn going over to Ukraine to shake the hands of Nazis, right? Uh, you guys remember this is from 2016 with um, he who shall be named on this channel. And that's John McCain. Okay, John McCain, John McCain, John McCain, and all his influencer holdouts and infiltrators, right? John McCain of Arizona and all his influencer traders coming from that neck of the woods and uh yeah, flimsy limsy gram you guys will remember it exactly i admire the fact i Ooh. come on now john i admire the fact that you will fight for your homeland your fight is our fight 2017 will be the year of offense all of us will go back to washington and we will push the case against Russia. Enough of a Russian aggression. It is time for them to pay a heavier price. Our fight is not with the Russian people, but with Putin. Our promise to you is to take your cause to Washington. Inform the American people of your bravery. And make the case against Putin to the world. I believe you will win. I am convinced you will win and we will do everything we can to provide you with what you need to win. And we have succeeded not because of equipment but because of your courage. So I thank you, and the world is watching, and the world is watching, 
because we cannot allow Vladimir Putin to succeed here, because if he succeeds here, he will succeed in other countries. Я вам дуже дякую, і весь світ за цим слідкує. І весь цим світ за цим слідкує, тому що ми не можемо дозволити Владимиру Путіну тут перемогти. Sorry, guys, I was doing the hand things. Did you see John? I mean, did you see Flimsy Limsy Graham? He was like, oh boy, oh boy, I'm committing treason. I'm committing treason. And John McCain's like, excellent. <laughs> yeah, so treason. Anyways, so that was from back in the day, ladies and gentlemen. Was 2017, I said, right? 2016? Yes, you guys all remember that, right? It's not the first time we've played that here on the Sea Report. Uh, but, you know, it's the first time that I will be saying here on the Sea Report that we have a state that is officially going to be training the Nazi army of the Ukraine in America. And that state just so happens to be Oklahoma. I cannot believe this. Okay. All right. Let's see what's up. Uh, this is from the DOD website, the U.S. Department of Defense. Uh, this broke, I guess, uh, two or three days ago. Well, I shouldn't say broke. They announced this two or three days ago. Uh, Ukrainian troops headed to the United States for Patriot missile training. No shame whatsoever. Everyone sees in this world that the Azov Battalion, the right sector, and all these other right-wing, far-right extremists who are uh, Nazis, right? That's their heritage for like, I don't know, five, six decades or more, okay, um, have been working inside of the Ukrainian government and uh, have been uh, the, the, the chief um, arbiters of this war in Ukraine, okay? Uh, everyone knows it. The American people know it. Um, it's disgusting. Even if they don't want to admit that they know it, they know it. We know it. Everyone knows it. I mean, because, you know, the right woke up to this whenever this was going on and even before then, and the left knew all of this because Vice reported on them because they're leftists and they don't like rightists. So they were like, let's find something to smear these people. We've got white right-wing supremacists in Ukraine. Let's... We need we need to keep talking about, you know, white supremacy. So, uh, you know, Vice had like all it's like the chronicles of the Nazis in Ukraine. And yet no one seems to talk about it. Right. Well, not not us. I mean, everyone talks. about. I'm talking about the MSM. The, for this one, I'm talking about the legacy media. Right. No, none of them talk about it. No, all of them try to ignore it, even though it's all in their face. And probably most of them did stories on this stuff anyways. Or, you know, they know people from Vice or something like that, you know. But here's the disgusting whoop. Weeks after announcing that the U.S. would send one Patriot air defense battery and associated munitions to Ukraine, a Pentagon official said Ukrainian soldiers will come to the U.S. to train on the Patriot system so they'll be ready to use it when it is delivered. Can you believe that, guys? I mean, first we had their uh, their globalist, um, their globalist Nazi master, <laughs> uh, you know, that whore. Um, um, Zelensky over here, right? Volodymyr Zelensky. And now we're going to have these people here training. Okay. This is insane. You know what I was thinking and influencers, you should get your notes out again. Uh, I was thinking that, you know, this thing with Ukraine and the Nazis, it's showing us how deep 
the swamp is in regard to our military, in regard to our U.S. congressional representatives and senators, because it's showing you all, it's showing the world, it's at least those who are really paying attention, and 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 I mean in high places, you know, like this is showing President Trump who all these people are. Okay, well, you invited the Nazis over, you know, the Department of Defense was all good with the Nazis, you know, I mean... That is an, this is another level of exposure. You know, I get it. It has to be this way because it's another level of exposure. Okay. You know what? Influencers, you can use those notes. Okay. I, I know this pisses them off. Okay. <laughs> when I have a low audience count, it's because the influencers are, I can't take it when he says crap like that and they leave the audience. Anyways. Okay. So, like, um, so like I'm saying, guys, this is exposing this next level of influence, right? The, not influencers, right? They'll expose themselves. But this is exposing all of the people who are in bed with the globalists because the globalists are the ones who are pushing and protecting Ukraine. And, and you know, this is a good way of, uh, I call it a litmus test for how long, ladies and gentlemen, and this is not about me and egotism, but I'm just saying, how long have we been saying this is a good litmus test? Ask your representatives what they think about Ukraine. Ask them who's on their side. That's why I had an issue with people like uh, like um, uh, Matt Whitaker and uh, who was the other guy, Ratcliffe, all like, we need to support Ukraine. I'm like, really? Like, you know, there are Nazis over there in control of that government. Okay, okay, I get it. 5D, 10D chess, but really, okay, because I'm tired of this strategy of concession, but I get there's other strategy, but you know, they need to know, okay? It's just like when I was in Austin and you had the traders at that rally and press conference, right? And they're trying to sound like they're the heroes of Texas, but yet they voted Dave Thielen into office. I have an issue with that. Someone needs to stand up. You know, I mean, I get it. Maybe they're not trying, they're trying not to blow their cover. But if, if, if you're trying not to blow your cover, then why would you be at a press conference saying something that flies directly in the face of your actions on the floor of the house? Do you see what I'm saying? So if you were really concerned about not blowing your cover and you're using strategy, so this way they don't know that you're not with the speaker of the house feeling, then why are you on TV? Because I saw I saw the press conference while I was waiting at the train station. I was like, there's that traitor again. OK, <laughs> and he has the people fooled and they're all like the people in Pennsylvania. They're all cheering for the end of the, you know, the liberty and freedom because they're all, you know, good with Fox and, and, and Hannity. Obviously, guys, I'm not saying everyone in Pennsylvania is like that. I'm talking about that one rally. OK. <laughs> I'm talking about that one rally when I realized we were in a lot more trouble than I thought we were because even the uh, even the Republican voters are all still asleep. Anyways, okay, so getting back to it, ladies and gentlemen, getting back to it. This is another good litmus test, and maybe President Trump is using this as a litmus test. Influencers, I'm all audience. Can you make sure you say I heard that on Mr. C show? Anyways. Okay, I need you guys to start doing that for me. Anyways, if anything, do that. Okay, if you're not, <laughs> just I need to shut up. Okay, let's read this uh, release from the DoD. Uh, Training for Ukrainian forces on the Patriot air defense system will begin as soon as next week at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Pentagon Press Secretary Air Force Brigadier General Pat Ryder said today, the training will prepare approximately 90 to 100 Ukrainian soldiers to operate, maintain, and sustain the defensive system over a training course expected to last several months. 
In the past few months, the Russians have increased their aerial bombardment of Ukraine, writer said, and the Patriot will help the Ukrainians stand up to that assault. Can you believe this, guys? Can you believe this? I mean, Ukraine is not for us, guys. Ukraine is not for us. It's not for us. It's for President Trump, okay? So that he can see who all of the bad guys, all the globalists, look, you know, like this guy here, this uh, this um, uh, Brigadier General Pat Ryder, okay? You know? I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know all of the inner workings and all of the the, the minutiae details. I mean, for all we know, General Pat Ryder's, Brigadier General Pat Ryder's just, you know, a Pentagon press secretary. He's just delivering the message. Don't shoot the messenger, see, but I'm using that as an example, okay? Because I've never looked into this Air Force Brigadier General Pat Ryder. I don't know lick about him. It's easy to point the finger, right? In a state of emotion, I get it, Mr. C. But what I am saying is it's helping to suss out, ladies and gentlemen, the people who are sus, so to speak. So to speak. <laughs> Let it out, see, says uh, Tam Grell. <laughs> I'm just, whew, let me tell you what. Tam Grell, I see you in plenty of chat rooms. Uh, so you make sure you hear that. You you make sure you say that if you heard it here on my channel. Okay, all right. <laughs> I know I can count on you, Tam Grell. You might not be popular in the chat room anymore, but never mind. I don't want you to suffer because of me. Okay, so <laughs> I, I retract that request, Tam Grell. Don't do it. Don't do it. Everyone loves you. Okay, you'll be guilted by association if you get in bed, uh, get with me, get in bed with me. So not, not literally, Mister Tamgrel. <laughs> Sorry, I need to shut up. Okay, I told you guys, I'm tired. The coffee is not working. Okay, <laughs> so uh, let's see here. Oh, so Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Yep, you deep state army says Tamgrel. I know, right? I know, right? Let's see. It says here. It says here. Uh, in the past few months, okay, the Russians have increased. Okay, we read that part already, right? Okay, so it says here, <clears throat> Fort Sill is home to the schoolhouse where the army trains its soldiers and service members from allied and partner nations on using the Patriot system. Now Ukrainian soldiers will train there as well. Now, this is interesting, guys, you know, because this is this could also very well be exposing where in the military we're having the problems. Right. Who in the military are, are turncoats? Right. Who in the military are traitors? OK, because, you know, I remember when everyone was going on about the 10th Mountain Brigade, 10th Mountain Brigade or whatever. And then we had this article about how it was going woke. And how they were teaching them all this gender stuff. And, and you know, they were doing all this. I, that that article. Man, we did that one over a year ago. Right. And then and even then people were all the 10th Mountain Brigade. And I'm like, they're woke. OK. <laughs> Anyways. OK. So, yeah, I mean, this is. Hey, are you taking your notes down, influencers? I can we can hear these talking points. Right. Uh, Ryder said, going back to the DOD uh, press release, uh, training for those Ukrainian soldiers will include classroom work hands-on training with the Patriot systems, as well as a simulation lab. It will also focus on what the Ukrainians will need once they are back home. The training will be tailored to provide relevant tactics, techniques, and procedures based on the battlefield conditions in Ukraine to enable them to employ that to maximum effect once they are back in Ukraine, Ryder said. Since Russia's invasion on February 24th, 2022, 
<laughs> it was um I think it was more like a what was that like an offense an offensive move it wasn't an invasion it was an offensive move it was an offensive move um <clears throat> the United States has provided Ukraine with more than 24.2 billion dollars in security assistance get yeah, 24.2 billion dollars in going to war a proxy war that assistance has included ammunition vehicles aircraft unmanned aerial vehicles radar systems small arms artillery air defense systems anti-aircraft and anti-armor systems next week writer said secretary of defense Darth Lloyd Austin III and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staffs, Army General Victoria Mark Milley. There's a name I have not said in a while, Victoria Mark Milley. Uh, they will travel to Germany to host another meeting of the Ukraine contact group of international defense chiefs. Ryder said the group has helped identify, synchronize, and ensure delivery of the capabilities the Ukrainians have needed to defend against Russian aggression. And that's a 35-minute press conference we're not going to listen to. Uh, the secretary looks forward to meeting with defense leaders from the approximately 50 nations comprising this important group dedicated to Ukraine self-defense. That's crazy, guys. This is crazy. If I were in Oklahoma, I would be... I would be so furious right now. I can't even find the word for it. I would be livid! If I were in Oklahoma, I'd be like, what are you doing allowing Nazis onto our army base, our Air Force base, or school, our training school, whatever you want to call it, right? I would be livid. The, the grassroots of Oklahoma need to stand up. The grassroots of Oklahoma need to stand up, right? That's crazy, guys. That is insane. Okay. So, um... Just thought I'd share that one with you all. I don't have much more to say on the... Uh, yes, Tam Growl. Darth Austin and Victoria Milley. They're both traitors. Both of them. <laughs> yep. Darth Lloyd Austin. Darth Lloyd Austin. Okay, guys. So that's going to take us over to... Man, we... Man, I just plowed through those two hours. Good Lord. All right, guys, I'd like to show you a photo of the Lulag. That is uh, Lula da Silva, you know, the commie president um, select, uh, selected of uh, Brazil, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, a few months ago, I'd seen this interesting interview with a supposed patriot from Canada by the name of Matt Ararat, right? And in that interview where he expressed all of the knowledge that he had of Ukraine, that's what it's interesting that these two stories were back to back tonight because uh, he had, he had, I was watching it because of uh, what he was talking about with Ukraine. I was like, yep, 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 yep. Wow. That's interesting. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the, uh, and then the, um, uh, the uh, host of the interview, and th this was an interview that was uh, basically like, it was a non-patriotic show. It was like, it was like, crocheting with gay dave on the um on the uh on the uh, uh people of certain age network right like that's what it was literally it was like something that had nothing to do with politics so you know that they're not going to be as um engaged with the topic so you know that's you know he goes on the show and he's talking about the nazis in ukraine and he's talking about uh all of the history of it as well 
you know, I was like, yep, yep, yep. That's what I read too. Yep, yep. That's how I understand it as well. And then a question from the audience comes in and the audience member asks, regarding the Brazilian elections, who do you think the people of Brazil should vote for? And the damn fool said Lula da Silva. And I was like, you've been going on like a patriot over here. In fact, there's this reporter that I, I admire from the other side of the world who um, who actually pushed that interview and called Matt Ararat her good friend. And I was like, you in danger, girl. Because this guy is boosting the very forces that you are fighting against through your journalism. And she's a real journalist in that part of the world. And then he was like, yeah, Lula da Silva is so great because he's going to take a loan out from the International Monetary Fund. And I was like, excuse me? Like, I get that you're a socialist, okay, because you're from Canada. But like... Excuse me, everyone knows that they're like debt slaver in chief, right? You know, so why would you make such a recommendation unless you were talking to an audience that you knew would not know any better? And then also because you're a damn infiltrator turncoat, you know, um, against humanity, because that guy's from Canada, a turncoat against humanity, right? And his nation, right? And not to mention people whom I respect, respect him. And he's fighting for this. He's fighting on the side of the people that they're on the ground fighting against. That's insane, guys. It's insane. Insane. Okay, I'll just drop all the names. Eva K. Bartlett, okay, pushed him. And I was like, girl, I was like, he's saying to trust the IMF and everyone should get loans from the IMF. And yet, what is the International Monetary Fund doing in Ukraine, in Syria, and in the Golan Heights, and all that, all the areas over there in Egypt, and, and over there in Israel, and all that stuff? I mean, come on. Like, this guy's not on your side, you know? He's not on your side. And he's probably getting propped up by these same globalist interests. That's Matt Ararat. Okay, anyways. So, um, with that said, we have this situation going on in Brazil, Okay. And everyone knows about it now, right? Everyone's like, you know, this is this is a topic of conversation. It should be a topic of conversation. You know, it should have been a topic of conversation a long time ago, right? Because we need to be able to identify our allies in this world, ladies and gentlemen, because this is not just an effort in the Americas or in North America or in these United States of America, right? This is an issue that is worldwide. And now we're seeing... We're seeing the devil come home to roost in Brazil, guys, when death begins to flow again at the hands of political persecution. You think that what the J6 political prisoners are going through is anything? Well, compared to this, it's probably a cakewalk. And I'm not wishing that on anyone, American or otherwise, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not saying that at all to disrespect, diminish, demean, or demoralize our brave patriots who are still suffering at the hands of this rogue administration that is, in fact, a regime, a junta, uh, if there was one, ladies and gentlemen. But this is scary stuff, okay? The but the lulag, right? <laughs> It's not a gulag. It's a Lula da Silva lulag. Okay, so hold on, because that's just the way that sounds is just so funny to me. Um, but let's look at this article so we can get through this a little bit. And uh, oh, this is terrible. Okay, so uh, 
This is Survival Magazine. I've never heard of it before, but when I was searching, this popped up. Now, I don't know because they had another article that they've since removed because uh, I would find links for it and it would not be there. Uh, so we're just going to go through this one real quick. It says Brazil protester commits suicide in a Lulag concentration camp. Death toll allegedly reaches four children held in prison. Okay, so uh, let's see where this uh, what this says. This was uh, January 11th, right? Goodness, this is driving me crazy, guys. Okay, this is insane. It's crazy, guys. Okay, um, ah, that's graphic, guys. I'm sorry, I should have warned you guys. Um, hundreds of pro democracy protesters are still being held without charges or legal assistance in the Lulag gym in Brasilia, while 736 have been taken to federal prison. According to unconfirmed reports, four people have died. One man appears to have attempted or committed suicide. Prisoners are being forced to sign confessions for terrorism and criminal conspiracy. Children have been taken away from their parents by the regime. One of the allegedly deceased was identified as Hilda 81 by the Rio Times. Now, you guys remember I read you that Rio Times article that gave you all of the details no one else is giving you. Okay, everyone has a lot of steam and emotion about it. But, I mean, that's not their fault. It's because there's not much information coming out of Brazil and you just have to be able to know where to find it. Okay. Another victim was identified as Nilma Marson or Marson. A third unconfirmed victim was identified as Leonida. Uh, videos show some of the prisoners suffering from medical emergencies. Videos on Getter allegedly showed a young man who had attempted to commit suicide by slitting his wrists, receiving medical attention. It was not clear whether the man had survived. Graphic. Sorry, I apologize. I did not tell you guys that was graphic. I apologize. Hopefully I sped through that quick enough to where you didn't see it. Don't go back and look at it, guys, if you are sensitive. Because I, I would not have shown that. I just, you know, forgot that it was there. Prisoners are allegedly being forced to sign a confession to terrorism, insurrection, and criminal conspiracy without consulting a lawyer. Here is one an 84-year-old woman signed. 736 people have been taken. Oh, so there's a link here that's not provided. Uh, I'm not an immersive, so I don't know what's up with that. 736 people have been taken to federal prison in Brasilia. According to the Brazil rights advocates Advogados de Derrita Brasil, who posted a list of names, 489 prisoners were taken to men's prisons and 265 to, to women's prisons. Children are being held in prison. Senator Marcos do Val was able to visit the detainees today. Representatives Bia Quiches, Javier de Melo, Domingo Savio, and Marcelo Arvaro Antonio were denied entry, according to Antagonista. We stayed here for three hours and had no access, Bia Quiches told O Globo, saying they would form an external commission to monitor the investigations. President Bolsonaro, oh, former Bolsonaro minister Jair Marcelo Alvaro said, it is important to separate the wheat from the chaff and not arrest innocent people. The lawyers uh, Samuel Magalais, Helen Costa, and Andre Alves told Revista Oeste that the detention is illegal. Rio Times reports, these people are not being detained, but arrested. If they have been here since yesterday, where is the custody hearing? There is not one. According to Magais, the children have been taken away from their parents by the regime and removed from the gym. 
Yesterday, I attended to a gentleman with heart problems who was with an autistic son, said Magalais. Magalais. They were both in the gym without any medication. There was, al there was also a lady who was going to another city. And at the moment the bus with the protester stopped, she asked if the vehicle was going to her destination. They said yes. She came to the PF Academy and stayed here until 2 a.m. The Brazilian Lawyers Association, UNAB, Uneo dos Abogados do Brasil, complained of imprisonment with torture, hunger, lack of bathroom and water, uh, UNAB, and it said it was unbelievable what you see there. Pray for these people and for our UNAB lawyers who are there together with the OACB lawyers. Information does not arrive correctly and access to people is difficult. According to UNAB, a colleague has already filed a complaint with the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. Former VP General Hamilton Mario Murao, Mauro, sorry, I'm trying to, Mauro, uh, criticized the government's action as amateurish, inhumane, and illegal. How about a crime against humanity and consistent with the Marxist Leninist roots of the new Lula government? He criticized the indiscriminate detention of more than 1,200 people who are today confined in precarious conditions in the facilities of the federal police in Brasilia. Protesters are calling for a nationwide general strike and a national mega demonstration starting at 6 p.m. local time today in all major cities of the country. Protesters called to shut down refineries and fuel distribution centers. Brazilian federal government bodies are mobilizing to reinforce the security of public buildings in Brasilia, Rio Times reports. Supreme Court Justice Alexandre de Moraes ordered the arrest of Anderson Torres, Bolsonaro's former Minister of Justice, and Fabio Augusto Vieira, military police chief of the Brasilia Federal District, accusing them of dereliction of duty in conjunction to the invasion of the National Congress building on January 8. Brazil, in English, wrote, Torres is in Florida and has said he will return to Brazil to fight for justice. Be careful. Be careful. If he goes back to Brazil, they're probably going to throw him in the lulag, right? Morais has banned protests that disrupt traffic and ordered fines for companies believed to be financing the logistics of the pro-democracy protests. Authorities have sought to freeze Jair Bolsonaro's assets as well. Deputy Rehane del Almeida, Communist Party of Brazil, called to take up arms to fight the fascists. A video from the storming of the National Congress, January 8th, seemed to show security forces waving the protesters into the building in a scene reminiscent of Jan January 6th in the USA. Surveillance videos seem to show the military police inviting protesters onto the grounds and black-clad Antifa-style infiltrators in the National Congress before the protesters arrived. Is that it? Is that all we got? That's all we got. That is all we got. Man, that is a mess, ladies and gentlemen. Hmm. 
Look at this. There's a link to uh, Bannon's war room here. China under Lula will have control of the entire wealth, power, and geopolitical strategic positioning of South America. Guess that's something that Matt Ararat wants. Okay. Oh, God, I did it again. Okay, so there's that article. And this is terrible information, guys. This is really, really bad news. For... This is just terrible news, guys. I mean... Okay, so here is an article from... Um... The Gateway Pundit. Sorry, I was like, what are they called again? Okay. <laughs> now, this one's kind of sad also. Cry for help from Brazilian concentration camp. Just shoot us and take us out of our misery. I don't know. I mean, if that's anyhow, let's just go through this guys real quick. We're almost done. I apologize to my Texas friends and uh, everyone. I was going to talk about Texas, but I told you I was going to going to be on here for three hours. Okay. <laughs> so hold on. Um, 1,159 political prisoners have been taken to federal prisons in Brasilia for terrorism. The shocking open letter reaches us from a Brazilian patriot describing the evil setup on Sunday and horrendous conditions in Lula's concentration camp, the Lulag. So uh, I wanted to read this because it has the letter. Let me see if I can do this in immersive so we don't have to deal with all those annoying commercials and advertisements. Advertisements. Okay. Excellent. Uh, so it says on Sunday, um, I was going to say August. No, I forgot. Yeah. Other countries don't do it like we do on a Sunday, uh, January 8, 2023. You saw images and news from the leftist media stations of the storm on the National Congress. It was a giant setup for us law abiding citizens who were fighting for our freedom, for clean elections and for our beloved Brazil. We are Brazilians who were betrayed by those who should be defending us. We went to the government quarter on Sunday not to break or destroy because we are peaceful Christians, elderly people, women, children, indigenous people, and decent law-abiding men. We left our homes all over Brazil to come and defend our constitution, which has been torn and trampled on by the Brazilian justice system, who released a criminal from prison and had him elected. How can we accept a communist criminal in power if we did not vote for him? We wanted to see the source codes of the election software because we're pretty sure we've been robbed. Then came the persecution, the arrests and torture of those who spoke out about the election fraud. We spent 70 days camped in front of the military headquarters because it was a way of protesting and we felt safe there. The armed forces embraced us, we thought, but then the persecution began. An Indian chief and pastor, Jose Acasio Serer Zavante, was arrested and abused. Pastor Fabiano Olivaire uh, and many others who are still in prison. But the corrupt media that attacks us now never reported any of this. They sent the police several times to take us out and arrest us but the armed forces did not allow it. Uh, people um, started to arrive from all over Brazil. By Sunday, we had more than 8 million people protesting in Brasilia. We wanted to march to the federal district in Planalto, as we always did, in peace. 
Much to our surprise, hundreds of strangers showed up and joined us wearing Brazil jerseys like we do. They started screaming and smashing their way into the federal buildings with sticks and weapons, breaking everything. We started screaming for them not to commit vandalism, but they did not listen. To our surprise, some of these people were already inside the restricted areas and government buildings. How did they get in? Even police officers were breaking things. We filmed it all. We have proof. So we ran back to the military headquarters, but the trap was expertly prepared. The corrupt left-wing press, who never reported about us or the persecution we experienced at the hands of the Supreme Court and this illegitimate government, started showing images of these communist infiltrators breaking everything. That was the plan, to be able to arrest us and call us terrorists. They are the real terrorists who destroyed, set fire, and vandalized everything. We were not just betrayed by the left because we already knew that. The biggest betrayal was by the armed forces because they lived with all of us and know us and what we are like. We returned to the camp and were shaken by what they were saying about us, calling us terrorists and threatening to arrest us. We are hardworking people, housewives, law-abiding citizens. Many were with their families. We cry a lot. At night, we saw the army surround the base. We thought they would protect us from arrest. Some of the generals said they were going to a meeting and left. We tried to sleep. At 7 a.m. on January 9th, 2023, the base commander spoke to us with a megaphone and said, You have one hour to dismantle the camp and vacate the area. Buses are waiting for you. Go in peace. We started to leave, sadly but orderly. When we got to the buses, we saw that they were not our buses, but we were forced to get on board. That's when we became prisoners. God, guys, that is crazy. Then our torture began. They drove around the city for almost three hours, showing us off as trophies, just like a communist dictatorship. Almost everyone had to stand because there was no room for everyone to sit down. We let the elderly and wheelchair users sit and stayed standing. We asked them to stop the bus because people had to go to the bathroom, but they did not respond. So people had to go to the bathroom right there. Eva K. Bartlett, Matt Ararat. I hope, I hope, I hope someone is listening. Okay. This is what that Matt Ararat wanted for the people of Brazil when he told that uninitiated, because that's not the topic of that show. And it's a big, it was a big show. It was a, it's a terrestrial show. It means it's on terrestrial radio. It means it's got a reach. Okay. And this guy got up there and told them that they should vote for Lula and take loans from the IMF and look at what's happening. Yeah, it would be amazing if Matt Arat lost all his credibility because of this, but I doubt it'll happen, right? I mean, I guess the same thing could be said about me when I make mistakes, but I'm not going to tell people to vote for a known communist criminal and to take loans from the IMF. Big difference, right? Almost everyone had to stand. Okay, we read that part. Okay. Sweaty, tired, and in pain, we arrived at the Federal Police Academy where they put us in a gym with room for not even 500. 
We were 1,600 people, packed like sardines. Many stayed on the patio outside. It was like a Nazi concentration camp. We suffered mental and physical torture because they did not give us food and water all day. A lady died on Monday afternoon because she did not get water. That night, a man died. Then they gave us bread and water. Elderly people, women, people in wheelchair. Chairs. Children were separated from their parents and taken away. Can you imagine how their parents feel? We are being treated worse than criminals or dangerous drug smugglers. What kind of country is this where the real criminals are in government, starting with new ministers who each has at least 10 cases of corruption? Are we who left our homes to fight for the freedom of our beloved Brazil going to be left to suffer and die? Now they are going to send us to prison along with dangerous criminals. Maybe some will be released, probably the elderly. We will all be registered as terrorists. Our lives will be destroyed because we will never again be able to work or leave the country. Everyone is wondering, where are the conservative politicians? Where are the representatives of the churches? Where is the bar association? Not even lawyers are getting through to us. Honestly, it would be better to shoot us now and take us out of our misery. When we pray, they tell us to shut up. The suffering is so great. And when we read here on the internet that they are calling us terrorists, it burns like a fire in our heart because everyone knows that we are not terrorists. Many conservative politicians are being cowards and condemning what we are accused of having done but we did not do it. There are videos on the internet. They know we are innocent. It was a setup. The videos are there to prove it, but they don't want to see. We are alone and abandoned. We have only God left. Most of us do not want to live any longer. So we ask the world, the international human rights community, to help us. They have killed many of us but none of this is reported. Many people have this innocent blood on their hands, especially the armed forces. You are genocidal. You, you, you used us as cannon fodder. I hope you receive divine justice, cowards. To the Brazilian armed forces, never again may you sing the Brazilian national anthem and fly our flag. You do not deserve it man ladies and gentlemen that's some intense stuff right there and why do they not want us talking about elections hmm? why do they keep pushing this big lie that there's no such thing as election fraud and that we have the most secure and fair and transparent elections so that when something like this happens, it gets easily whitewashed by the zeitgeist, ladies and gentlemen. It gets easily whitewashed by the zeitgeist. It's sick and disgusting. It's sick and disgusting what's going on here, guys. It's beyond reproach. It is beyond reproach. And that it's happening. I mean, Brazil, it might seem like a far ways away, but it's not. And, you know, and even that is not the point. 
The point is that it's happening at all, ladies and gentlemen. The point is that it's happening at all. And, and it's a fair example, as ugly as it is, of the things that we face, you know. Uh, and it's interesting, too, you know, because President Bolsonaro was restoring uh, Brazilian people's right to self-defense. And yet, did you see them busting out their guns and ammunition? You know, but I don't know. I mean, if 8 million people showed up, then I think 8 million people need to free these prisoners because they have only got 1100, right? I mean, that, I mean, even a million people show up to free these prisoners. I don't know, guys. We'll see what happens in Brazil. But maybe a million armed Brazilians will show up. I don't know. I have no idea, y'all. This is insane. This is quite insane. And it's it's a scary foreshadowing of what this world could become if we let it. God, this is sad. Okay. Real sad. Real sad, guys. Real sad. Okay, y'all. We got one more story to talk about. And I'm sorry, it's not Austin, Texas. Okay. One more story. Awakened Mom says, pray for the Brazilian people indeed. Send as much positive, freeing, loving energy that way. Pray for them. Ah, guys. Have to read that, man. Okay. Two have to read that. Okay. Last story for today. Okay. Let's get her on the screen. Now, uh, speaking of elections, stolen elections and botched elections, right? It's about time we talked about this. You guys all know about it. Um, the Brunson case, ladies and gentlemen. The Brunson case. Okay. So uh, do you guys think that the Brunson case was designed to be a big old heaping plate of hopium? Hmm? I'm asking for a friend, right? Do you guys think that this case, if you were to, if you were to consider, sorry, I have to protect my donut. If you, <laughs> if you were to consider the continents, the countenance of the Brunson brothers, right? And uh, who is it? Lloyd and uh, I think Lloyd Brunson's the one that was kind of making the 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 uh, the uh, the talking networks, uh, the influencer networks, right? Uh, Lloyd Brunson, I believe he's the one that was doing the rounds, right? Um, do you guys think that the Brunson case was a big old heap of hopium? Do you think that's what its designation was? That's what it was designed for? Do you think it was just meant to give Americans hopium? Okay, the lawsuit. I mean, it's a lawsuit, right? That they filed. And look at all the work that they did, right? You know, because I had I had someone in the chat room the other day going on and on about, you know, uh, I, I don't know if, what what the deal. I didn't go back and read, you know, their chat, but uh, to the effect of that, like uh, filing lawsuits was just like protesting. It's not. It's actually being active and engaged. It's 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 more than protesting. You know, lawsuits is more. It's more than protesting. But uh, anyhow, I just, you know, I was just curious if you guys thought maybe this was just a hopium case, right? 
I mean, the grounds on which they were presenting the case, at least in my, and I'm not a legal expert by any means, you know, constitutional or otherwise, but at least in my opinion, it seemed like while it was, while there were aspects of it that I kind of felt were, um, had, were open-ended, you know what I mean? Like if you sue all of Congress, how are you going to, how are you going to sustain government, right? They, they, they arrested Congress, every single one of them. And then now all of a sudden we have all of these empty offices. Like, you know, that resolution needs to be in there. How are you going to deal with that? You know, I mean, you can't just arrest them all. I mean, you could, you could fire them all and, you know, bring in, you know, a, a, an elect, a, a house that will, right. Or Senate that will, or whatever you have, you know, um, and there are there are actually uh, there are there actually are ways to get this these kinds of things accomplished. I mean, you have to have four hundred some odd people ready to step in to the gap, so to speak, when that happens. But that all needs to be planned and articulated. And then there's also the issue of congressional immunity, right? Which I think needs to go out the window, like you know, last last year's bathwater. And baby and placenta, yeah. you know, like that kind of a thing. You know, we need to get rid of congressional immunity. I don't know how much stronger I can stress that point. These people need to be held to a higher account. They need to be able to be held accountable. Okay, and I get the the I get the reverse of that. Right? What if you get someone who's a political tyrant and then they start using this? to throw people in jail because they're their political enemies and they exploit the lack of immunity. I mean, come on. But to me, that's like saying, well, we need to lessen the penalty on election fraud in case we get it wrong. Excuse me? <laughs> then do your due diligence and do a proper investigation. You know what I mean? You don't need to do that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's totally antithetical to the whole point of putting a felony status on a, a crime like that. Okay. So yeah, you know, they need to absolutely remove congressional immunity, but let's talk about this Brunson case to wrap up today's uh, C report, man. I might have to be doing like weekends this weekend. Cause I'm just like, there's just so much stuff I want to talk about. We don't got time. Um, let me pull some articles. Let's see. What is this one? First of all. Okay. So, uh, this is from the gateway pundit. Oh, look guys, we're finally opening up this tab called Mike and beans. Okay. Let's see what this says. All right. So this is the gateway pundits article on the Brunson case. So we'll look at this first. Okay. And then I got a couple of more things. Okay. So this is what it actually, you know, maybe we should not do this article. Maybe we should do this one instead. Okay. Well, basically breaking headline news, January 9th, right? Uh, it says that uh, the Brunson brothers case is denied by the Supreme Court. The Brunson brothers election integrity lawsuit was dismissed by the Supreme Court on Monday. And Rowland Brunson released this statement. The petition was denied. We will now make our next move, a petition for reconsideration. Hang in there, everyone. Now let me put up this article because I think this one will be more meaty for us. This is from the Association of Mature American Citizens. And they're they're the ones that um awarded President Trump that uh that that what was it 
man of the year for the AMAC or something like that. It was such a great article. We read the whole thing. It was like six pages long, right? Okay. <laughs> for those of you who are not aware, I have a debilitating disease called I like to read. And sometimes, you know, if I don't do it, I just suffocate. Okay. So anyways, all right. Supreme Court dockets Brunson v. Adams case um, that challenges the failure of Congress to investigate disputed electoral college votes. Now, this one was from the 4th of January, okay? So I wanted to get the perspective from the AMAC on this case, and that's why we're gonna go through this, all right? We're not done yet, okay? A historic case has been docketed by the United States Supreme Court, case number 22-380, titled Brunson v. Adams, has reached the highest court in the land by a writ of certiori, from the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. The petitioners of the case, Roland J. Brunson, is suing 388 federal officers, including former Vice President Mike Pence, President-selected Joe Biden, and Vice President-selected Kamala Harris, for violating their oaths of office, where they swore to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. Brunson claims their refusal to investigate an alleged attack voter an alleged attack voter fraud on the Constitution on January 6, 2021, violated the oaths they swore just one day prior as they were sworn in as members of the 117th Congress. The case itself is not alleging electoral fraud occurred in the 2020 election. Instead, they cite the 147 members of Congress having their request to investigate after hundreds of affidavits alleging fraud, denied um, denied signals that all other members defied their oath of office. In connection with Brunson's breach of duty argument, it should be noted that the last phrases of the House and Senate oath of office read that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God. You're going to need all the help you can get, you damn traitors. The remedy sought by Brunson would result in the removal of all respondents from their current positions and would bar them from ever holding public office ever again. A significant number of Americans believe the results of the 2020 election were impacted by unethical activity, to put it mildly. Those in this camp are there, are told their beliefs have been debunked. But in order for something to be debunked, it must have been proven untrue. However, these allegations were not actually debunked, but instead ignored or dismissed, which is precisely what this case seeks to address. The 147 members who objected to the results cited concerns brought by constituents and legal questions that had been raised about the state's election process. Despite this, the vote was certified without investigation. Senator Ted Cruz had proposed a 10-day audit of the election in contested states to investigate claims. In support of this proposal, Senator Cruz noted that the most direct precedent on this question arose in 1877, following serious allegations of fraud and illegal conduct in the Hayes-Tilden presidential race. Specifically, the elections in three states, Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina, were alleged to have been conducted illegally. 
1877, Congress did not ignore those allegations, nor did the media simply dismiss those raising them as radicals trying to undermine democracy. Instead, Congress appointed an electoral commission consisting of five senators, five House members, and five Supreme Court justices to consider and resolve the disputed returns. We should follow that precedent. He went on to propose, Congress should immediately appoint an electoral commission with full investigatory and fact-finding authority to conduct an emergency 10-day audit of the election returns in the disputed states. Once completed, individual states would evaluate the commission's findings and could convene a special legislative session to certify a change in their vote if needed. We intend to vote on January 6th to reject the electors from disputed states as not regularly given and lawfully certified the statutory requisite unless and until that emergency 10-day audit is completed. Had this request been granted, this case would never have been filed, regardless of the findings in the 10-day audit. The defense being deployed by their respondents is that they are protected by Article 11 of the Constitution's sovereign immunity. However, Article 11 reads, The judicial power of the United States shall not be construed to extend to any suit in law or equity commenced or prosecuted against one of the United States by citizens of another state or by citizens or subjects of any foreign state. Brunson is not targeting states, but rather individual members of government. Brunson's case cites many constitutional articles that, in his estimation, explain why his case is constitutionally sound despite respondents, both Republicans and Democrats, believing sovereign immunity grants them full protection from prosecution for their conduct during their time in office. Can we repeat that? Brunson's case cites many constitutional articles that, in his estimation, explains why his case is constitutionally sound despite respondents, both Republicans and Democrats, believing sovereign immunity, right, that congressional immunity, grants them full protection from prosecution for their conduct, their lies, their deceit, and everything else they've been doing against this nation, okay, protects them from their conduct during their time in office. Article 1 reads, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Brunson feels this proves his attempt to have this case heard is protected. Additionally, Brunson uses Article 6 of the Constitution to attest that members of government are bound to the oaths they swear upon entering office. It reads, This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made pursuance thereof, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. In conclusion, it does not say anywhere in the Constitution that extenuating circumstances can annul their sworn oaths, which includes the day's events of January 6, 2021. 
In interviews, Loy Brunson, the brother of the petitioner, who has an identical case in the lower courts under his name, makes it a point to categorize this case as bipartisan. Since the 2020 election, beliefs and disbeliefs about election fraud have fallen among party lines for the most part. But this case reveals how several members from both parties ignored inquiries and, and certified the election. Because of this, both Republicans and Democrats are being accused. For all Americans, it was concerning to see so many members of a newly elected government refuse to consider the possibility of foul play in the process that put them in their positions of power. Brunson has a website that outlines the history of the case in its entirety, but here is a brief summary. And we know this. I'm pretty sure we all know this. Okay, you know what? Have a good night, Tam Grell. You're about to miss the best part of the show. Ah, just kidding. No, no, no. Go to bed. Get some sleep. Get down. <laughs> Love you, Tam Grell and hubby Tam Grell. You guys have a great night. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, anyhow. Okay. So uh, back to this. Okay. So uh, for the new people who are new to this, okay because we're going somewhere with this. Prior to the case being docketed by the Supreme Court, the case had been held up in the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals, fearing it would never move past this crucial step. Brunson successfully invoked Rule Number 11 of the Supreme Court, which states a petition for a writ of certiorari, or certiorari to review a case pending in a United States Court of Appeals before judgment is entered in that court will be granted only upon a showing that the case is of such imperative public importance as to justify deviation from normal appellate practice, uh, appellate, excuse me, practice, and to require immediate determination in this court. In other words, a case of such strong national importance and emergency could bypass a circuit court decision and be heard and ruled on by the Supreme Court at any time they deem necessary. Brunson revealed that the Supreme Court clerk had been reaching out to them to get this case brought under the proper format and prior to it being submitted, had asked to ask it be brought as soon as possible, showing an interest in the court to consider the case. You know, guys, I just realized that I probably cause a lot of cognitive dissonance amongst the patriot community. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Okay, uh, let's see here. Um... I'm not trying to ruin people's heroes, but these guys don't have the best interest in mind for you all. They're all about enriching themselves and empowering themselves. They're all self-centered, selfish assholes, okay? And that's why I do it, all right? Because there are a lot of traitors in the midst, all right? Anyways, okay. So getting back to this, you know this is going somewhere, ladies and gentlemen, when I say something like that, right? Anyhow. Um, this case undoubtedly contains the strongest allegations in U.S. history to ever be docketed by the Supreme Court, so could they really rule to move it to the final stage? First, consider the case making it this far is extremely rare, if not unprecedented. In addition, prior to the Tenth Circuit giving their decision, the court alerted Brunson that the case would be accepted as a national emergency if the lower court did not release a ruling, signaling at least moderate interest on their end in looking at the case. The conference date is set for this week, Friday, January 6th, 2023, exactly two years to the day that Brunson is alleging this breach occurred. 
In conference, the nine Supreme Court justices will decide whether or not to move the case to an official hearing, the final step in adjudicating the case. One would think a case of such historic and national significance to the United States of America would certainly be on every mainstream news channel as we approach the pivotal decision date. But as we all know, we are not living in normal times. No matter mainstream media coverage does not decide what is real or not. The official Supreme Court website cited above proves how real this case is. How they decide to act on it is yet to be determined, but we will find out soon. Okay, so we'll jump back to the uh, article from Gateway Pundit. Oh, no, I just closed my tab. Did you guys see that? Oh, is it going to stay open? Oh, it's going to be good. Okay, hold on. Let me do this real quick. What is going on here? Ungroup, ungroup, ungroup. Okay, cool. Or maybe not. I don't know. Okay. Uh, where is that? Here's the Gateway Pundit article. Okay. So uh, the petition was denied. Okay. And then uh, Rowland Brunson says the brothers are planning their next move. Okay. Tracy Beans um, sent a link to the SCOTUS response. Now, Tracy Beans is someone that likes to have proper accreditation. So uh, I thought we would do that today. Okay. We'll give her proper accreditation. All right. Okay. So who is Tracy Beans? what is this website okay <laughs> give me beans where's the beans where's the beans hey laura logan tracy diaz okay so here's here's uh oh who's that what are you doing on this website mr flynn uh general flynn okay my bad um hold on hold on hold on let me let me get this straightened out there we go all right Okay, so uh, general flynn board of i don't know what the, uh, something called america's future okay um, let's see here. Where are you, where did she? Oh, okay. Tracy Beans. Her name is Tracy Diaz. Okay. For those of you who don't know. All right. Uh, we're just giving her proper accreditation because she said on her, you know, social several times, no one gives me credit for my work. So we're giving her credit. Right. And by the way, I used to really enjoy the articles over at Uncover DC until I just started to notice some things about some things. Yeah, I'm not saying the whole organization as a whole, you know, uh, I don't know enough about that organization as a whole, but you know, as an example, back in the summer of 2021, uh, Uncover DC was doing great work covering the New Hampshire, um, the New Hampshire um, audit of the 2020 election in Wyndham. Uh, they did really good work. In fact, they were one of the um, they were one of the publications that I turned to to share with my audience with proper accreditation. Right. You know, unless they want their name said, you know, well, Tracy Diaz, I'm going to say your name. They're not Tracy Beans or Tracy Diaz. Right. OK, so she wants proper accreditation. So I'm going to make sure I read to you her biography and tell you her real name. OK, so this way, you know who she is. Because I might have said Uncover DC, but I might not have said Tracy Beans. So, you know, anyways. So this is Tracy Beans. It says here, uh, Tracy Diaz is an investigative journalist uh, and editor-in-chief at UncoverDC.com. An entrepreneur and successful C-level executive, Tracy also has wide-ranging experience in the political realm. Tracy was instrumental to the grassroots fervor that gripped the nation during the height of the Tea Party and the Ron Paul movement toward freedom and liberty. It's very interesting to me how many traitors came out of the Tea Party. You know, I'm dealing with that in my local state house right now. Steve Toth 
is one of them, right? Uh, Jeff Leach is another one. These are guys that rode into the Republican Party on the shoulders of the Tea Party, the Tea Party Patriots. And uh, they ended up being a whole bunch of traitors, ladies and gentlemen. And it might have taken them a minute to show their face, but they're showing it now, okay? And uh, you better not confuse Tea Partiers with America First Patriots, guys. You better not. And and you enemies out there would be wise to heed those words, okay? It's a different breed of patriot, all right? So I didn't know that about Tracy Beans. I didn't know that she was instrumental to the grassroots fervor. Because I wasn't, pay I don't pay attention to people like this. Okay, so anyways, I just read the articles if they're helpful. I at least say the name of the publication. But Tracy Diaz wants you to say her name, so we're saying her name, Tracy Diaz. Okay, Tracy's political experience starts at the grassroots level and moves all the way up the spectrum to establishment politics. Would you guys like to see a video of Tracy Beans telling President Trump that she is Q? I'm just asking. It's there. It's out there, guys. Okay, Tracy's political experience starts at the grassroots level and moves all the way up, right, to the spectrum of two establishment politics. She has dedicated her life to preserving American freedom. Her business acumen, investigative skills, leadership... No, investigative skills, I think, is questionable. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Leadership qualities and success at corralling social media make her an asset. Oh, she's an asset. Yeah, don't say. Well, at least they're telling you the truth, right? I mean, I'm not saying I don't have the receipts to prove she's an asset. But, you know, when you start formulating patterns of omission, that's the same as lying to me. Okay. And she has, she did that in at least one case that I was like, I was kind of like, if a simpleton, uneducated on paper man can figure out that, you know, the international health regulation, the IRH, international what, health regulations, you know, the whole thing, you know, the thing, right? Whenever they, they had the, uh, whenever they had the, the WHO and the UN trying to, and Biden giving up the sovereignty of everyone to them, you guys remember that? Do you, you guys remember that, right? Uh, the international health regulations. Anyways, anyways, uh, for a simpleton like me to be able to figure out what those then that document said, and it was all omission. And she was over there on Truth Social saying, me and my team of lawyers went through this document and I'm sorry, guys, but I have to have integrity. And I'm not just going to ride on the bandwagon with everyone that's saying that this is going to strip the sovereignty of the nation and the United States and hand it over to the UN and the WHO. I was like, who are you working for? You know what? Because guess what? You and your team of lawyers, Tracy Beans, read like a two-page toilet paper piece and you needed to go into the other supporting documents. That was an amendment. If you went back and you looked at the other two documents, which all total combined was less than 200 pages, you might be able to not omit the truth from your readership. Okay? That's when I started to have some problems with this person. She went on a tirade on Truth Social talking about all of this stuff. And I was like, excuse me, but if you read all the documents, it's all there. I mean, it's not that hard to see. Don't tell me you have a team of lawyers looking at my lawyer friends. Well, anyways, guys, so that's kind of where I'm going with this. All right. So her business, what does this do with the Brunson case? You might be wondering. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out because I haven't read her article yet, but we're about to. Okay. Investigative skills, leadership qualities, and success at corralling social media make her an asset. I think they're telling you the truth right there. I don't know from Jack, but I think 
I don't know. I don't know where I could find these receipts. But anyways, to any organization dedicated to American values, she is happily married. Okay, we don't need to know that. That's personal. Okay, who's that? Paul S. Let's who all the who are all these people that are working with Tracy Beans? Paul S. Hoffaker. <laughs> oh, I don't know who that is. Okay, uh, Tracy Diaz. Sorry, I'm going to call her Tracy Diaz because that's her name. All right. Uh, I don't do well with anonymity. Joseph J. Flynn. I'm guessing he's yeah. He's oh. He, what is it? Who, who is this guy? He is also the youngest of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn's eight siblings. Ah, okay. All right. Laura Logan. Okay. Now this is the one that talks about uh, human trafficking, right? Just wondering. Okay. And then I, mean, I really don't have anything to say about this other than, than General Flynn. Okay. I don't have anything other. I have two things to say about General Flynn. One, if Trump is running, he has my vote. Sorry, General. Two. Okay, this is the only other thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Flynn alone. Because, you know, generally speaking, I respected the man, right? But he was in Dallas at the Patriot Roundup. Interesting name, right? And um he was talking all kinds of cues and anons, ladies and gentlemen. And he had that audience eating out of his hands. You guys know, I mean, a lot of people over at Peeled in the Foxhole were there, ladies and gentlemen. And I, you know, I know these people because, you know, inboxes and stuff, right? So they know, okay? They know they were there. They saw General Flynn give that speech. And then he changed his mind about Q. And I was like, okay, I mean, you can change your mind, right? I mean, it's okay. You come across new information, you know, you change your, it's okay. I've done it everyone's done it. We're all fallible. We're all imperfect. And someone very wise in the audience said to me, and I don't think that they were planning it to go this way, but somebody very said something very wise. And they said, Mr. C, you can change your mind as long as you can, as long as you do not change your character. And if you reflect back to General Flynn and that speech that he gave at the Dallas roundup of Patriots, where they're rounding up the Patriots, his character went 180 degrees when I showed you guys. And I was actually surprised because I was trying to show you guys that General Flynn did not betray President Trump because of that whole traitor cards thing. And instead, what we get is General Flynn saying all of those Q people are a bunch of idiots and I don't want anything to do with them. And we need to talk about reality, not about all. And he totally changed his character. OK, that's all I'm going to say about General Flynn, ladies and gentlemen. And you guys saw it. Because you guys were there in Dallas, and then you guys saw the interview I played here by accident, because I didn't know he was going to say that, all right? I mean, that really threw me for a loop. And maybe it's strategy, but President Trump still has my vote. And that's all I got to say about that. Anyways, so the reason why we even looked into Grace Diaz, okay, and what is this, by the way? Who is she? I don't know who Mary O'Neill is. I'm not going to bother her, okay? <laughs> Oh yeah, this is from, I don't know who this is. America. I've never heard of America's future. I've never heard of it. I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I just want to, this is where I found Tracy Diaz's, um, I found her biography here first. So that's why I shared it with you. Now uh, it says here that Tracy Beans posted this link to the SCOTUS response. I'm sorry, Tracy Diaz. I apologize. Her name's Tracy Diaz. Okay. Um. And this is all it was, okay? It was literally just a list of all of the cases that the uh, Supreme Court refused to hear, okay? So uh, if you look over here, I don't know if I highlighted it or not, but I wanted to show you where it says it. 
so you can see what kind of case it is. Where is it at? Right here. Certiori or certiorari denied. Okay. So under certiorari denied. And it doesn't look like it doesn't look like we had like any type of write-up or, you know. No, no justices gave, it doesn't seem like, at least from what I've seen so far, that they've given they've given a reason for not sharing that information. But then somewhere down here, you got your Brunson versus what was it, Adams or whatever, Stevens? I don't remember. And that's all it was. So I just thought that I would give Tracy D as credit where credit is due, right? Okay. So uh, let's see here. Let's see if we can find it. It's in here somewhere. Uh, let's see here. Where are you at? Where are you at, Brunson? I know you're in here somewhere. Come on. We don't want to make it look like Tracy Diaz has given us bad information. That thing, though, with the WHO and the UN and uh, sacrificing our sovereignty. And then you know what happened? As it turns out, it was going to give away our sovereignty. And the whole world railed against it, Tracy Diaz. Did you, uh, did you apologize and say, oh, I need to get new lawyer friends. I need to get new lawyer friends because uh, they, they led me in the wrong direction. Right? I don't know if she did that or not. I wonder. I wonder. Okay. Man, where is Brunson? Jeez Louise. Good Lord, ladies and gentlemen. Is he buried all the way down here on page 12? Can you guys believe there are this many cases that, you know, go before the Supreme Court? They've got their hands full. Now, I don't know what was behind them denying this. I mean, I've heard some pretty interesting theories. <laughs> about why they denied this, uh, re um, reviewing this case. I don't know what you guys have heard, but I've heard some interesting things. Um, oh, I'm so silly. I should just done this. Hold on. There it is. Okay. It was on page five, guys. I totally missed that. Brunson Rowland v. Adams Alma et al. Okay, so that was again under certiorari, certiorari denied, right? Okay, so uh, all right, so now here's this. What is this? Where's it at? No, I'm sorry, we're not going to get to you feeling. I'm pretty sure you're happy for that. Uh, oh, here it is. Let's see what this is. Okay. Now, I have not read this, but I thought like the opening salvo was interesting enough to share it with you. I was like, ooh, what is this about, right? Let's read it. Let's read it because that sick, debilitating disease I have called I like to read is starting to kick in. It says, and this is from Uncovered DC, so I make sure I give proper credit where credit is due. It's written by Adam Carter and Tracy Diaz on December 30th. And the title of the article is The Truth About the Brunson Case. So I was like, ooh, we're finally going to find out why the Supreme Court denied it, right? That's what this article is going to be all about, I'm sure, you know. Uh, how do I get this stupid thing off the screen? Hold on. I need to get this thing off the screen. It's going to annoy me to no end. Uh, yeah. No, don't do that. 
Oh, here it is, hiding over there. Okay. All right, now we can do this properly. <laughs> All right, I'll even leave the actual website up and I won't go into immersive so that Uncover DC gets proper credit, okay? Where credit is due. All right, Tracy Diaz, we're gonna give you proper credit, okay? So it says here, this column is not going to earn any money. Why is that a concern? Okay, this column is not going to earn anyone money. Okay. I mean, I guess that that's what you're in it for, right? Oh, whoops. Let me uh, <laughs> let me expand it for you guys. Why would anyone open up an article like that unless they're in it for the money, right? I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying, why would anyone do that? I'm just asking the question, okay? Uh, to the contrary, many of you will likely hate us for writing it. No, I don't hate. But the truth is the truth. That is exactly what she said about that W-H-O-U-N-I-R-L takeover. In real life takeover. Anyways, no. I mean, the, the, the giving over of the sovereign. She said almost the exactly the same thing. Well, I have to tell the truth. And none of me and my lawyer friends could find anywhere in this document where it says that. And I was like, well, you, yeah, it's because it's it, it's an amendment, which means it changes a document, which means you have to go back to the original document and read it. And then you have to go back and you have to read the regulations that set that document up at all of less than 200 pages between you and a team of lawyers, Tracy Diaz. It should not have been that hard to figure out. And then the world rebuked that amendment. And uh, I don't know if you apologize to those. I mean, to me, that's omission ladies and gentlemen, and then grandstanding on top of it. Let's see if this is the same thing. The purpose is not to create division or call out other conservative influencers simply because we have differing opinions. We have all spent years watching blatant government corruption, constitutional rights being trampled, and elections stolen, all with no one being held accountable. Very true words. This is over. We want every damn bit of evidence that every intelligence agency has, or it's maybe time to shut those agencies down because at the end of the day, our liberties are more important than anything else we have in this country. And they have been stampeded over by the dirty cops and the Democrat party and the media who fails to report on it. I don't know why uh, she has Nunes referenced here. Anyways, understandably, there are many who are frightened, confused, and feeling desperate after witnessing all of this. They are hoping for a Hail Mary to come flying in that will restore the country to the constitutional republic with equal justice under the law that she was meant to be. And in their desperation, they are prone to cling to whatever appears promising that'll make it happen. Okay. Sadly, there are people out there who will exploit, profit from, or simply grift off that desperation by filling the need with false hope or hopium. It appears, unfortunately, that Brunson v. Alma S. Adams et al., also known as the Brunson case, pending before the U.S. Supreme Court, is just such an example. Okay, well, let's find out why where the case really stands. First, we need to dispel some misunderstandings about the status of the case. It is not scheduled for a hearing before SCOTUS. So far, it is simply a petition for a writ of certiorari that's been scheduled for conference. All that requires is filling out an online application and paying a filing fee. Okay. Uh, constitutional attorney Robert Barnes, a member of the Supreme Court Bar who has filed countless petitions for cert and made oral arguments in front of SCOTUS a number of times, explained the process for filing a petition for a writ of certiorari, 
and how the petition is considered by the SCOTUS justices and their clerks on a recent live stream. Oh, I didn't know this guy was associated with Tracy Diaz. Okay, anyways, a conference is where the SCOTUS justices meet and vote on cases they will grant cert with four needing to vote yes to accept the case and schedule for oral arguments. Here's the order list that came out of a recent conference. The justices considered 158 petitions for cert. They denied 157 and took one. And for a couple of the denials, they told the clerk of the court effectively, tell this idiot to stop bothering us with this nonsense. Don't accept any more petitions from this guy. Is that a direct quote? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, I guess this is the example of that. John G. Lambros v. Brazil. The motion of petitioner for leave to proceed in forma properis is denied and the petition for a writ of certiorari is dismissed. See Rule 39.8. As the petitioner has repeatedly abused this court's process, the clerk is directed not to accept any further petitions in non-criminal matters from petitioner unless the docketed fee required by Rule 38A is paid and the petition is submitted in compliance with Rule 33.1. So they said, tell this idiot to stop bothering us with this nonsense. I don't know, guys. That sounds like something a heel would say. You know what a heel is? It's a bad guy, okay? It's a bad guy. Kind of like another example of a heel would be, who do you think they fear more than me, Marge? Right? That guy, oh, it's going to be about whether they, they fear you or they fear me. And they fear me, Marge. Do you remember where that came from? We just talked about that one on Wednesday, right? Okay. Those are the way that that's the way the bad guys talk. Okay. I mean, just listen to their language, listen to how they listen to what they say. You know, as Barnes noted above, every justice claims they read every single petition for cert filed with the court, but that claim is very much in doubt. SCOTUS justices employ clerks who read and vet all the petitions ahead of time. The clerks are very familiar with the judicial philosophy of the justice they work for and what legal arguments they would be interested in discussing. It is believed based on what court insiders have described about the inner workings of the court, only the ones with merit are ever passed along and briefed by the clerks to the justices themselves. Justices simply do not have time to read each and every one of the thousands of petitions that get filed with SCOTUS every year. Further, as independent journalist and broadcaster um, noted, just human noted on Truth Social, only 20 to 25 of the petitions distributed for a given conference are actually discussed. Okay. So, yeah, I appreciate all of the information that this article is presenting at this time. Okay. Um, so far, I appreciate the information it's giving. I mean, it's letting us know how the system works. So, that's great. That's excellent. You know, that's good for us to know. The other 75 to 80% of the petitions are denied and discarded, likely without the justices ever reading them or even being aware they exist. Distributed for conference at the Supreme Court of the United States. Okay, so uh, th this is just another, an article published uh, in 2012. Okay, so uh, a lot has been made out of the Brunson brothers' interaction with the clerk of the SCOTUS after they initially filed their petition for cert as detailed on the Brunson's website. The clerk of the SCOTUS calls Rayland again. She asks, how are you doing on your revision of the writ with the additional information that we need? Uh, Rowland, not Roland, sorry. Rowland said, we're working on it as we speak. She said, how soon can we get it? Rowland said, right away. Yeah, I remember all of this, okay? 
Some have, inter uh, some have interpreted this to mean the justices are eager to hear this case and proactively reaching out through the clerk to get it in front of them as quickly as possible. Well, that's what Loy Brunson said. That's not what some have interpreted. Loy Brunson pretty much expressed that in like three interviews that I heard with him. Okay. Um, so is she saying that Loy Brunson is a grifter? Or not not just Tracy Diaz. Who is the other person that wrote this article? Who what is his name? What was his name? Adam Carter. So are Adam Carter and Tracy Diaz saying that Loy Brunson is a grifter? Because they're not saying he said it, but those are literally that's basically literally what he expressed. If you guys everyone probably saw him talk on somebody's show at some point, right? Loy Brunson. And that is the that is the impetus, that is the uh kind of vibe that we know that's exactly the, the idea that came from what he was saying you know because he was surprised that the uh, clerk had reached out to them so i'm just asking the question tracy diaz and this other person if that's what you're saying then say it right maybe they'll say it by the end of this article right so some have interpreted this to mean or interpreted this to mean the justices are eager to hear this case and that's another thing and then never mind i'm just going to read this article okay this case and proactively reaching out through the clerk to get it in front of them as quickly as possible in our opinion given how we know how the court operates that interpretation makes little sense first as anyone who has watched first of all loy as anyone who has watched a Senate confirmation since the Robert Bork nomination hearings understands justices and uh, understands justices and SCOTUS nominees go out of their way to appear to prejudge cases. Justices do not, at least publicly, proactively reach out to potential litigants seeking cases be brought they wish to consider. <clears throat> And they certainly are not going to make a public record of it by reaching out through the clerk of the court. In the event justices do wish to have a matter brought before them, they believe uh, needs to be addressed. They do so publicly signaling in their written opinions, majority, concurrence, and or dissenting. See, and this is good for me because now I'm... Uh, you know, being able to, okay, majority, concurrence, dissenting, you know, all of the technical terms, right? So, you know, I'm learning stuff here too. Thanks, Uncover DC. As Justice Clarence Thomas recently did in a concurring statement related to Section 230, ironically as part of a denial for a petition of writ of certiorari. Second, as Barnes talked about it in the same recent live stream and coincidentally cites our own Tracy Diaz, the people behind the Brunson petition have misinterpreted the actions of the clerk. See, that's what I'm saying. That it was it was Lloyd Brunson who's the one. Okay, so all right, so you're so Barnes explains SCOTUS is the best court in America when it comes to assisting pro se litigants, i.e., individuals who represent themselves in court rather than through an attorney, translated from Latin as advocating on one's own behalf in filing petitions. So the proactive actions by the clerk in this case are simply in keeping with the court's usual interactions with nearly all pro se litigants. SCOTUS has not done anything out of the norm with this case. It's just being marketed, be marketed, marketed better. You know, marketing, right? The Supreme Court, to its credit, is very generous with its time about helping people file a petition in the right way, file it at the right time, 
file it in the right format, particularly pro se litigants like this. They are the best court in America by a long mile at helping the little guy properly get his petition before the U.S. Supreme Court. Great credit to the Supreme Court and its personnel on that side of the aisle. Are we talking about the same Supreme Court that allowed the Democrats to get a hold of President Trump's uh, tax returns? Hmm? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, Barnes dispels another myth about the, because they're really kissing butt, if you ask me. Barnes dispels another myth about the Brunson petition in the same clip above. I don't know who this Barnes guy is, so I, I couldn't speak to him. Uh, as noted on both the SCOTUS docket and Brunson website, the Department of Justice waived its right to respond to the petition at all, which was also something interesting, right? Somehow, this is being spun by proponents as a good sign for the petition. Okay, again, Loy Brunson is the one who was saying all this stuff, right? The lawsuit is so solid that DOJ is simply unable to mount any kind of defense against it. Does that actually make sense to anyone? The high No, to me, I thought, well, that means because they're probably going to dismiss it, right? The highly politicized Merrick Garland DOJ is just going to throw up its hands and allow SCOTUS to unilaterally remove the entire Democrat Party power base from elected federal office without so much as making an argument and do so in a case that has been dismissed with ease at every level below SCOTUS. Does that really make sense to anyone? It's absurd, almost beyond the point of comprehension. It's nonsense. I saw it as an act of hubris. As also noted by Barnes, the only reason that would happen is because the DOJ does not even feel the need to respond because the lawsuit has no merit whatsoever. If the court thought there was any chance, any chance at all, that the justices would vote to hear the case, they would reach out and request a response from the DOJ. The fact that neither the DOJ nor the court thought a response was necessary is the clearest sign that this case is going nowhere. Merits of the case. We have read the lawsuit filed by the Brunson brothers. In our honest opinion, it does not seem to have any basis in constitutional law. Frankly speaking, I guess just like those WHO documents that you couldn't find out the truth in, right? But then the world rebuked the entire thing because they understood what it was going to do. Frankly speaking, as found by the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals in their dismissal, it's frivolous. So they're defending, I guess, the lawmakers that, okay, well, maybe they have a, a sound reason for defending the lawmakers that did not stand up for the American people that day, right? That defied their oath of office, you know? Uh, Mr. Brunson first argues that the district court separate judgment is invalid because it fails to set forth the legal basis for the judgment. This argument is frivolous. Uh, federal court, uh, federal rule of civil procedure 58 requires the district court to set out its judgment in a document separate from the court's explanation of the reasons for the disposition. Uh, the district court's judgment did just that, and the reason for the dismissal were thoroughly explained in. So the truth is, the only reason this case got to the stage of a petition for a writ of cert with SCOTUS this quickly is because it completely lacks merit. You only need to think back to your fourth grade civics class to understand why it lacks merit. No, do tell me, because... Uh, yeah. Now we will be the first to admit our constitutional process are not functioning as our founders intended. We are only speaking to how the system was designed to function. 
Under our system of separation of powers and checks and balances, the legislative branch, Congress, is the only one with the power to remove sitting members of the other two branches or sitting members of Congress itself. The founders entrusted this power solely to Congress because it is the political branch and most accountable to the people. In theory, if Congress were to abuse its authority and remove a member of the other two branches against the will of the people, those members could be voted out of office in short order. Hence, the people would have the remedy to correct the imbalance and hold the ultimate check on power. For that reason, I see they didn't teach us that. And uh, well, actually, they didn't teach civics in fourth grade where I come from. Anyway, that was like too technical for us, right? For that reason alone, this case is dead on arrival at SCOTUS. Even if the case had merit on all the other issues presented in the lawsuit, SCOTUS does not have the power to grant the remedy being sought. Therefore, there is nothing for the justices to rule on. They can't do anything about it. And if you really think it through, there's a very good reason for that. Tracy D. has explained in a recent voice memo thread on Telegram what the ramifications would be if SCOTUS actually did have this power. In a hypothetical scenario she gives at the 7 minute and 30 minute, 7 minute and 30 second mark, if President Trump were to be reelected in 2024, what would there be to stop the left from filing a sternly worded brief with SCOTUS and having him removed from office soon after the 2025 inauguration? After witnessing how Article 3 and state courts have ruled nearly across the board in election cases involving President Trump or America First Republicans, would you really trust them not to do so? What would be the constitutional remedy to stop it? Congress always has the final say. One thing that needs to be understood, under our constitutional system, Congress always has the final say in who is or is not the president. Whether that means certification of the presidential election, removal by impeachment, or removal via the 25th Amendment, Congress always has the last word, by design. The case often cited to refute this point is the landmark SCOTUS decision, Bush v. Gore, that resolved the disputed 2000 presidential election. While it is true the decision cleared the way for Governor George W. Bush to be declared the eventual winner, Congress still had to effectively sign off on the SCOTUS decision by its certification of the presidential electoral count. Had they chosen to do so, as the Democrats attempted, Congress still had the constitutional authority to set aside the electors from the state of Florida and vote to certify the 2000 election for Vice President Al Gore, instead putting him in the White House and SCOTUS could not have done anything to overrule them. In the aftermath of the 2020 election, despite losing 60-plus election contest cases brought by President Trump or on his behalf, Congress again had the constitutional authority to ignore court rulings and certify Trump as the winner. Wait, let me read that again. In the aftermath of the 2020 election, despite losing 60-plus election contest, and they did put air quotes, election contest cases brought by President Trump or on his behalf, Congress again had the constitutional authority to ignore court rulings and certify Trump as the winner. The reason was the January 6, 2021 surrection. Okay, uh, I call it a false flag insurrection or a false flag riot, right? Was necessary is simple. 
The American public was never presented with the actual evidence of the 2020 election. Fortification. The cabal could not risk members of Congress changing their minds at the last minute due to political pressure from their constituents outraged after hearing all the evidence and refusing to certify electors from at least three of the contested states. Had that happened, the election would have been declared contested and the House of Representatives voted by state delegation, 50 votes total, to determine the winner. Republicans holding the majority of state delegations presumably would have declared President Trump the winner. It was a risk they could not take. Thanks to the January 6th Capitol Hill false flag riot, all presentations of the evidence ceased, and the leadership was able to rush the congressional certification through. The person most harmed politically by the events on January 6th was President Trump himself, and it's the clearest indication that he had nothing to do with it. Well, thank you for that. The Constitutional Convention of 1787 and Electors Clause. This, however, further determines the merits of the Brunson petition. The notion the founders never anticipated malfeasance or foreign interference to occur in a presidential election is simply not true. In fact, they expected it. Article 1, Section 4, known as the Elections or Electors Clause of the United States Constitution, was a most hotly contested debate during the Constitutional Convention of 1787. The Emoluments Clause was added out of fear that European monarchies would simply bribe U.S. government officials with titles of nobility and seize control of the newly founded country that way. The requirement that the president be a United States natural-born citizen was included, in part, to prevent a European royal from sending over a prince or the like to get elected and then have their chief executive beholden to a foreign ruler, which is the case anyways, guys, right? For various reasons, fewer than 44,000 popular votes were to be cast in total during the first ever presidential election of 1788 to 89. So the eligible voting population was not very large at all, and relatively few fraudulent votes could easily tip the scales one way or another. All of these scenarios were considered possible and likely at the time of the constitutional ratification. So to believe the founders did not anticipate these types of events and address them within the text of the Constitution is simply wrong. Anyone arguing we are in unprecedented times or extra constitutional remedies are required does not understand the design of the system or our history. Now, I would have to agree with that because, um, well, you do hear a lot. I mean, we are in unprecedented times, right? I mean, we've got, you know, the machines and stuff like that. We have an entire, uh, we have an entire, uh, you know, Congress and, and state houses that are filled with traitors. Okay. I mean, some people will say, but that's how you work out politics. And that's the vibe of the American people. No, no, they're selected. Okay. And that affects everything. And like I said, the strategy of concession has, uh, has only ladies and gentlemen, um, brought us, um, brought us to uh to an ends really you know it's it's pushing it's pushing our freedom on paper away right you know extra constitutional remedies required no you just follow the constitution you don't add anything to it it's a limiting document anyway so i agree with these statements here uh here you had 13 staunchly independent former colonies who had just found a war of independence to free themselves from a tyrannical foreign ruler out of that fear the original articles of confederation did not 
even provide for a true chief executive to administer the federal government. They were now coming together to agree on a process to elect uh, one chief executive with authority over all of them, with the divides already forming between North and South, free states and slave states, industrial and agricultural. They knew electing a unanimous uh, candidate to fill the position was next to impossible. For those reasons, they had to develop a process with robust opportunities to contest. The outcome had to provide as much assurance to as many as possible that the will of the people had been carried out, but it also needed to provide for finality. The founders realized these elections would be fiercely contested, and the elected chief executive could not be subject to removal at any moment for the entire four-year term. The co-equal executive branch would be unable to function effectively with election contest issues hanging over it. The constitutional system would not survive. Hence, the reasons for the complexity of the electors clause. Past examples and cases. Both John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, in their capacities as vice presidents, presided over highly controversial congressional certifications that resulted in themselves being named president. The legality of their actions is still being debated to this day by constitutional scholars. Yet despite this, there was never any possibility the Supreme Courts of the time had the power to retroactively review their actions and remove them from the presidency once sworn into office. SCOTUS simply does not have the power to do it. But let's imagine for a second that SCOTUS did. Now, interesting enough, there was a case, I think, out of South Carolina or North Carolina where they were considering um, the judges uh, ruling on elections versus much what we're seeing here. That it's all supposed to be the legislative uh, branch, ladies and gentlemen. So that's interesting, I think. That's very interesting. Because if that's the case with SCOTUS, then it should already be the case everywhere. And no judge should have been hearing any of these election cases, right? I mean, is that kind of the, uh, you know, is that kind of the wavelength that we're on here? So uh, anyways, it says, let's imagine for a second that SCOTUS did. Do you see the problem that would create the SCOTUS? The SCOTUS would have the Supreme Court of the United States of America would have had extraordinary leverage over Adams and Jefferson, knowing they could simply take up the case and remove them at any point. Both founding fathers would have been completely neutered and unable to challenge SCOTUS on any hot button issue of the day. An untenable circumstance between two co-equal branches of government meant to be in conflict by design. Trump election law attorney uh, Jenna Ellis concisely explained the process during an interview with uh, Sebastian Gorka. The interview took place during the last uproar of a supposed upcoming Hail Mary case. This was back when the likes of disgraced Pulitzer Prize winning P-Tape Truther Maggie Haberman pushed the fake news story that Trump believes SCOTUS intended to reinstate him as president in August of 2021. One of the popular theories batted around is that SCOTUS took the case, which again is false. SCOTUS has not taken the case to hold over the heads of members of Congress during the current lame duck session. That is precisely why SCOTUS does not 
have the power to remove members of Congress or any other sitting elected official. It would mean they were beholden to SCOTUS on any decision they make or risk losing their elected office by stepping out of line. Now, I am willing to say on paper, this is all true, but I mean, they're all swamp creatures, right? So anyways, okay. if SCOTUS did have the power, then we don't live in a constitutional representative republic. We are governed by an all-powerful ruling. You know what? This is exactly what's happening in Brazil. Actually, interesting enough, this is exactly what they're talking about. Alexander de Moraes, the Supreme Court justice, is removing people from power, removing people from office that were, um, you know, friends of Bolsonaro, you know? So I get it. I get it. I totally get this. Okay, so... I mean, we can look at Brazil as an example of that right now, okay? Why SCOTUS does not have that power. Then we don't live in a constitutional representative republic. We are governed by an all-powerful ruling council of five unelected government officials with lifetime appointments who are accountable to no one. Uh, the 2018 North Carolina 9th Congressional District election. Okay, so maybe this is that case I was talking about. One case often held up as an example of when courts removed a member of Congress is the 2018 North Carolina 9th Congressional District election. There are several myths about this election contest that need to be dispelled. First, the election was never overturned by any court. The decision was made by the North Carolina State Board of Educations, a creation of the North Carolina State Legislature and administered by the state's executive branch. So the judiciary is not involved in any manner. Second, Mark Harris, initially declared the winner, but whose victory was later overturned, never had his election certified and was never seated in Congress. He had, Har had Harris been certified or seated, any effort to overturn the election result and remove him would have fallen to the U.S. House of Representatives. The courts did not have the final say in the outcome. I believe this is the one, I think it's in appeal right now. I think this court's an appeal. Anyways, fraud vitiates everything. Another phrase that gets thrown around a lot and cited explicitly in the Brunson petition is fraud vitiates, makes void everything into which it enters. This is a legal doctrine established in United States contract law. It was first established in the case of the United States v. Uh, Throckmorton and later expounded on in cases like Veterans Service Club v. Sweeney and Radio Shack Corporation v. ComSmart. These cases set legal precedents that any contract entered to by fraudulent means uh, invalidates the entire arrangement and everything goes back to the beginning. While this type of legalese might sound pretty convincing to an untrained ear, legal precedents in contract law do not trump constitutional powers. Suppose someone is telling you the legal opinion in U.S. v. Throckmorton. In that case, V.S.C., a, a v. Sweeney, or Radio Shack v. ComSmart supersedes a plain reading of process spelled out in the first three articles of the U.S. Constitution. They're kidding themselves, and they've got something to sell you. Uh-huh. Texas v. Pennsylvania. This is not to say the founders intended the judicial branch to have no role in the election contest process. It is spelled out right in the Constitution. Article 3, Section 2, Clause 2. If SCOTUS intended to intervene in the 2020 election ahead of the Electoral College count and congressional certification, they had their chance. Anytime a state sues another state, SCOTUS has original jurisdiction over the case. This means they are literally the only court in the land that can hear the case. 
The overall theory behind the doctrine is any case brought in a district or circuit containing one of the litigants would give that state a home field advantage and likely result in an unjust outcome. This was also explicitly done with presidential elections in mind. As mentioned, 13 independent states with little trust in one another entered into an arrangement to select a single chief executive with authority over all of them. Should one of those states choose electors in a manner that violated the terms of the Constitution, the founders put in a mechanism whereby it could be challenged straight to the SCOTUS level ahead of the electoral college count, thereby including the judicial branch and adding another layer of robust challenges. Just such a case was brought in 2020, Texas v. Pennsylvania. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton originally filed the lawsuit with the help of drafting by a current Kerry Lake lead election counsel, Kurt Olson. The suit was initially filed against four other states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin, alleging election officials in those states had bypassed laws established by their respective state legislatures as required by the electors clause and certified electors unconstitutionally. Nearly 20 states and state attorney generals, um, attorneys general, joined with Texas in the lawsuits by filing amicus briefs, uh, along uh, or filing an amicus brief, along with President Trump. Over 100 members of Congress and countless other federal and state officials, with 20 other states filing uh, amici, amici, uh, filing an amicus brief. <laughs> supporting the amicus brief, whatever, on the side of the four defendant states, over 40 states total in the suit. Given that no other court could hear the case and there was nowhere to, else to appeal, SCOTUS had the authority and the constitutional obligation to give the lawsuit an evidentiary hearing as intended by the framers. Despite this, SCOTUS denied the petition for a writ of certiorari by a 6-3 to three vote for lack of standing, a legal doctrine that did not even exist in the first 150 years of American case law and was never contemplated by the founders in the Constitution, Constitutional Convention, Federalist Papers, or anywhere else. In our opinion, it represents one of the worst acts or inactions in the history of the Supreme Court. Again, I'd have to agree with that. Now, I, you know, that makes you wonder about the case that was going on in Georgia where the courts found that voters do have standing. And I wonder if the bad guys could appeal that to the SCOTUS. And I wonder if SCOTUS would then turn it down. But I don't know, you know, because I am not a legal reader, so to speak, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so let's continue. All right. If anything, the court has since shifted left with Biden's appointment of Justice Katanja Brown Jackson to replace Justice Stephen Breyer. So to believe SCOTUS is going to step in with no constitutional authority when they refused then, where they had the absolute obligation to do so to provide a remedy for the 2020 election makes no sense. It's a pipe dream. There is no magic bullet. As we stated in the beginning, our purpose for writing this column isn't to dampen your spirits, rob you of hope, or blackpill you. It certainly has not me, and it's certainly not to enrich ourselves or to add to a following. As Diaz commented in her Telegram voice memo thread, I know there's a lot of people going bonkers crazy over this thing, and they get very mad at you when you point out these deficiencies, but they exist. Don't kill the messenger just because you got the whole WHO thing wrong. 
I'm blown away. <laughs> I'm blown away about how angry people get. Okay. Anyways, if that were our goal, trust us, we would run with this story as many other normally reliable news sources have. The volume of emails, texts, messages, and posts asking us to cover this case in detail has been unreal. And the reaction to everything that is not utter praise for the lawsuit has been nothing less than vicious. Oh, I guess you're going to have to put me in that camp, right? But Uncover DC's motto is actual journalism. And the truth is the truth. The truth is the truth. This story is clickbait gold and has caught fire on social media and among the America fire America first base, like a few other stories we've seen. Okay. Uh, okay. So to have integrity, we're going to read this thing through to the end. We're almost done guys. And then I'll just give a thought on it. And then we'll wrap up today's. I told you we were going to go into three hours. Now we're almost going into four hours. Y'all. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. For the sake of integrity and for to read this through to the end, since I started so strong on this. Okay. So, uh, there's always a plan or a, okay, where, where were we at? Okay. Gold has caught fire on, okay. On social media and among the America first base, like few other stories we've seen, but it seems to be falling into a pattern we've kept seeing over the last few years. There's always a plan or a miracle case for which we all keep waiting. Some magic bullet or savior that will come in and save us all without us having to do much ourselves. There is no magic bullet. Nobody is coming to save us. We've got into the position as a country we're in today, frankly, out of complacency. And it happened over a long period of time. We were given warnings from history and we ignored them and or assumed somebody else is keeping an eye on that. Yep. Sounds like people I know. They're like, uh, we'll let you take care of the small stuff. We'll come in for the big stuff. Yeah. Well, we need you for the small stuff. We've talked a lot about the constitution in this column. The founders warned us what would happen if we allowed the government to get too powerful and our liberties to erode. If the separation of powers began to fade or control to be concentrated in the hands of just a few tyranny. There's only one road back, and that's for each America first patriot to work as hard and relentlessly to build back the republic. How about to restore, not build back better, right? To restore the Republic as those who have worked to try to tear it down. They did not do it overnight. It's going to take time, a long time, with setbacks along the way. And once we're back, and make no mistake, we will restore the Republic. <laughs> we will build back better. We will have to struggle relentlessly to ensure it never happens again. Because the forces who hate this country and want to see her destroyed are not going anywhere. And always remember, we are still that shining city upon a hill, the greatest nation on earth, and the hope of all mankind. It's time to go fight for her peacefully and patriotically. Okay, that was a really good article, but that's not the point. Okay, now here's some thoughts to close up, and then we got to scram, guys. So. What I'm gleaning from this, okay, and, and you know, I know, I know the WHO thing, okay, good article, all right, credit where credit is due. Um, if I can learn something from it, I think it's, you know, good. So anyways, as I was saying, 
with all of this information processing through my head now, I'm kind of like, so the Supreme Court did not have the constitutional authority to make these decisions. It all goes back into the Congress. So be that as it may, I mean, the attention given to, because I don't think, I okay, I did not get the vibe that the Brunson brothers are grifters, okay? Uh, I don't get that vibe at all. You know, I didn't, I mean, you can tell, you can tell if your gut is finely attuned, maybe discernment, whatever, you know, where that's going to be going. Okay. And, and, and you, you know, people, you get the vibe. Okay. Lloyd Brunson did not give me a grifter vibe. And I don't necessarily think that they were calling him a grifter. And I don't think that was the point of the article. You know, if I had settled on, oh, you're just calling Loy Brunson a grifter, I would have totally missed the point. You know what I mean? So I'm being honest, guys. I'm being honest. Whether or not I agree with Tracy Diaz for her whole WHO thing, you know, maybe it's just the way she talks. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe she's just, you know, maybe she has monotonal, not, not monotonal. But what is it called? Oh, you know, I used to have a phrase for this. Um. And I'm not, whatever. Okay. I'm just not, I'm just going to say whatever I got to say. Have a good night. One, two, three, SKG. <laughs> or if you're going to bed, um, what is the word? R, well, RBF. Some people have that in their tone, you know, like it's called everlasting B tone. Okay. <laughs> it's called EBT everlasting B tone. Maybe it's just a choice of words. I don't know, but she had the WHO thing wrong. That's neither here nor there. So I was thinking just through this, you know, like if this is going to go back to Congress and now we have this Republican House that's going to do all these investigations, maybe since this went to the Supreme Court and it's gotten so much breathing space and I'm not providing hopium, guys, because I mean, we report it on Brunson, but, you know, we waited until they made their decision, right, to talk about it again. So, um Maybe with all of this, maybe with all the airing out, this information is got. And I think, ladies and gentlemen, that there is merit for what Brunson said in the case, right? Which was that, you know, a day after they took their oath, they basically broke their oath by failing to even open an investigation when when that doorway had been provided to them. Okay, so all of these separate elements kind of filing in together, right? So anyways, I don't know. Not that it's it not that not that it's a place for hopium, right? And and I don't know that people made money off of this other than they unless the clicks that they get from the people that watch their shows. You know what I mean? Like, um, so yeah, interesting article that. But that was uh that was uh more insightful in regards to, you know. Brunson's case. So whatever happens next with that, I guess we'll see. Maybe they'll appeal the case to legislature however that's supposed to work don't ask me i just read the articles and i try to understand them ladies and gentlemen but that was an interesting article i don't know what you guys thought about that but uh well i guess that's all i got to say about that so you know i'm glad i pulled that article all right Okay, guys, that's going to wrap it up for episode 451 of the C-Report. I hope you guys enjoyed yourselves tonight and uh, you, you found some insight, if, some information, some inspiration, or maybe you were just slightly entertained. I don't know.
Uh, but we'll be, well, when will we be back? I don't know. We'll find out when we'll be back. I mean, for sure, Monday, we'll be back with Lone Star State News and with the Sea Report. Uh, don't have any plans to be on the air this weekend, uh, but you never know. You know, guys, sometimes I like to pop up. So we'll see how that goes. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being part of the audience. Make sure you hit the follow, subscribe, like buttons, uh, whichever platforms you might be on. Oh, I told you guys I was going to show you my Ohio meme. Let me do that real quick. Here's my Ohio meme. Okay. <laughs> uh, for those of you who get the reference, you guys will get the reference, right? Okay. Uh, we'll pull that just because I said I was going to do it. Okay. Ready? Here it's here it is. I was like, what? when was Ohio a meme? I guess it started like a, it was a few years ago, I guess, or more. Well, I can't remember what it was all about, but that's what all the kitties are going on about it was Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. And I'm like, okay, so that's my Ohio meme right there. See, uh, you can't even see it. Hold on. Let me get the banner off the screen. You can all go to Ohio, but I will go to Texas. Wait, <laughs> oh, I didn't even read. You guys can read it anyways. Okay. Ha 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 ha, Mr. C, you're a genius. Okay. I'm a terrible memer anyways. Okay. <laughs> I was quite, I was quite proud of it though. Okay. Anyways, guys. All right. That's going to wrap up the C report for tonight. I hope you guys have a great night. You have a great weekend. I hope you've had a wonderful Friday the 13th. If you're superstitious or not, um, we'll see you guys again next week, ladies and gentlemen. And as always be safe, be blessed and God bless America. I'll see y'all soon. Take care till then. And bye-bye.